Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This month is Kurt Russell Appreciation Month. I could appreciate him all night long. This week for Kurt Russell Appreciation Month, we're doing TV movies from 1975? The Deadly Tower and Search for the Gods. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I went and got my COVID shot today. Yeah, does that hurt like shit? Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. Okay. I've heard a lot of people say, like, your arm's pretty sore afterwards. Mm. It feels like I just kind of, like, I was walking down the hallway and... Bang something. Yeah, like bang something. Like it's not it's not unbearable. I've heard the second one is the is the sucky one. So did you did you qualify because of a pre existing condition or something? Well, in Illinois, uh they've added a bunch of people to the was it one B tier? So uh like diabetes and High blood pressure and being obese count as uh, count as conditions. Two out of three, baby. And uh, so I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'm just..." And honestly, I went on to the because uh, I got mine done at <clears throat> High V, their pharmacy, and uh, I just went on the website and there were some questions, and basically there's like a link. And it says here are the uh, here are the uh, what you know your state, what the uh, ex, you know whatever conditions you have to meet or whatever, with like a link to click on. And then it, there's a checkbox that says, "Are you qualified to get the uh, vaccine?" And it's literally just a checkbox. You can just check yes. And that's as far into it as they go. <laughs> and then. When I got there, the only questions I was asked are, uh, is this your first shot? And I said, yes. And she's like, do you have your ID and your insurance card? I'm like, here you go. And those were the only two questions that I answered. And then she's like, now pull out your dick. It goes in your dick. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this doesn't seem right. They fooled me. Damn it. (laughs) QAnon was right the whole time. This has all been a scam to get a microchip in my dick. Right. Um, I did hear people talking about microchips while I was there. Jesus. Uh, luckily, they were being sarcastic. <clears throat> like, oh, you here to get your microchip? Oh, yeah. It's going to be great, though. Uh, let's not talk about that. 
<laughs> it's gonna, I feel like it's going to ruin my whole fucking day talking about fucking crazy nonsense. Uh, can we talk about how Chris Jericho's okay with uh, all the states just opening up immediately? Like he actually wants all 50 states to just open everything back up to 100%. Well, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. So I... I like Chris Jericho as a wrestler and as a yeah. performer and even slightly as a musician. I'm not a huge Fozzie fan, but it's all right. But as, as a person, he's kind of a sack of shit. Oh, he's a piece of garbage. Yeah. So that doesn't, I mean, that's not really surprising to me. Yeah. At this point, I would actually be more surprised to find out that there's a wrestler that's actually a good person. <laughs> Uh, like Titus, Titus O'Neil. He's not like a household name or something, but he uh, he does a shit ton of charity work on his own time. It's not the that's not the one that was like a legit lawyer, right? Uh, I have no idea if he was or not. Thank he, you. He's basically only known in wrestling now because during the uh, greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. He ran out of the ring, tripped, and slid under the ring. Yeah. I've seen that clip. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And that, uh, and it was so, so fucking hysterical that the professional on air announcers were laughing so hard they could not talk. And then, like, they kept replaying it, like, every 30 seconds <laughs> during, <laughs> during the thing. So then the announcers would just start laughing again. So there's a good, like, 10 minutes of the of the show where there's really no announcing because they are just laughing way too hard at, at the whole... Getting angry! To the movies! <laughs> Quick! Segway! Segway! <laughs> you guys are the ones who want to talk about fucking taxes and shit, huh? No, I was going to talk about... I watched... Uh, I watched... Uh, Macaulay Culkin on the Joe Rogan podcast. And oh, really? He, he lived in France for a while, so he was just talking about how, like, everything's just so much slower over there because, like, in a good way, because everybody's just like, yeah, just whatever, you know? And and then did they talk about DMT, flashlights, and supposed magic pills that make you smarter? Because that uh, no. seems to be Joe Rogan's thing. <laughs> Not in that episode, but I have heard him talk about it in other stuff. Joe Rogan's podcast is very heavily based on who the guest is. Because yeah. uh, he's not qualified to discuss most of the stuff he talks about. So it's good when he has like a Macaulay Culkin on to talk about like just life. Yeah. Rather yeah. than having like people on there to spew pseudoscience that he's not capable of de- debunking. I, I was getting ready to say, I've tried. I've tried to listen to his show, but he pedals... Oh, the yeah, worst yeah. kinds of bullshit. Uh, you know what you should probably do? Because he ha- actually has really good conversations with people. There is that other stuff like you're talking about that he can get caught up in. But uh, if you go on YouTube, they just have clips from his that's, interviews. That's what I do. Well, yeah, yeah, that might be a better idea. Just only watch the ones where it's like a guest that you want to <clears> see. Yeah. Yeah, like sure I, don't watch. You will get frustrated watching some of the ones where he lets people come on there and just spew lies, and he just isn't capable of arguing back because yeah. he doesn't prepare for his podcast. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't. It's not even that people spew lies and he argues with them. It's more like people spew lies and he just immediately buys into their bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's what which is exactly which what is so, which is yeah. so much yeah. worse. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Is he just goes along with whatever they're saying, and then he allows them to just spew nonsense. But when it's just Macaulay Culkin or the Undertaker on there talking about their life, it's fun to watch the clips. Yeah, and then you've got ten thousand dumb motherfuckers paying for sawdust pills, thinking it'll make him smarter. Yeah, it's uh, like I watched one with him, him and Bill Burr just sitting around bullshitting, and like that stuff's great. Um, and I do like some that he has people on that he doesn't necessarily agree with, but he'll sit and actually have a conversation with them. And that stuff turns out way more interesting. He, uh, like he had Alex Jones on, which I agree with. He does let people just kind of say a bunch of shit and not, um, not really confront him too much about it, but he had Alex Jones on. And this is after he had kicked him, like said he couldn't have him on for a long time because of all the just stupid shit that he was saying. But he's like, okay, well, I'm going to let you come on. But if we're going to talk about shit, you have to provide me with evidence of what you're talking about. So Alex Jones will go on some crazy rant about something and Joe will be like, okay, 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 stop talking. Like, where where are you getting this info from? Like, I need sources that I can point to. And then have his, you know, his intern producer or whatever pull it up on the screen so they can, like, sort of dissect it a little bit more. But, yeah. There's good and there's bad. I would just stick to the more entertainment-focused. Like, the one with Macaulay Culkin was actually kind of fascinating because they just basically talked about what it was like to be a child star and how fucking popular he was and how that kind of... He somehow turned out okay, but you know, there was I keep time. I keep waiting for his resurgence. Doesn't mm. it? Doesn't it feel like like because Macaulay Culkin's name has just been coming up a lot yeah. in the last few years, over and over and over again, and not just in the context of oh, he's the kid from Home Alone. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he wants a resurgence. Um, yeah, he talked about that on Joe Rogan. Like, like he. He says he does like an acting thing every once in a while, but he just basically does it just because he kind of wants to have fun. He mainly does like plays and stuff now, and that's pretty much about it. Um, he is going to be on the next season of American Horror Story, though, so maybe there is a Macaulay Culkin renaissance coming. I don't know. And I, like I said, I just thought I, I, maybe I'm one of the off ones, but I thought even though they were weird choices, the movies he did like that weird, awkward phase of him trying to be like, no, I can do other stuff. Oh yeah. I thought they were good. Like party monster was really good Mm -hmm. and he did a really, really good job. And I get that people were weirded out because of the nature of that character and the nature of that story. But I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's, it's weird that that didn't land him bigger and better shit mm. yeah no he uh he talks about all that stuff on the joe rogan show he uh because i mean he got he got to the point really quickly that he's like i don't ever have to do anything for money ever again like he has so much money that he's just like you know i don't really have to like technically work so i just find stuff that i'm like oh that seems really interesting i would really like to do that 
and he's friends with uh, you know Seth Green who was in it. So he's like, yeah, let's just go and just go and do this. And he had a good time. And you know, you know what somebody needs to do? Somebody needs to hook Macaulay Culkin up with Elijah Wood. Yeah, and and get him great. into that group. That'd be great. <laughs> Actually, I think they might be friends. I think I've they heard comments are. of that before where they're like, because I've heard Macaulay Culkin joking about how there's like a group of people who are just like the only child stars to grow up and not be screwed up. So they just like hang out <laughs> well, together because it's like they're the only ones that have, there's only a few of them that have been able to pull it off. Kind of thing. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Elijah Wood's not screwed up. I, I think he just processes Compar- his screwed up very well. <laughs> Comparatively speaking. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he talks about that he, you know, has a shit ton of money in the bank. I mean, he wasn't like bragging. Like, Joe Rogan was just asking him, like, you have that much money when you're younger. Like, how does that fuck you up? And he basically just says, like, well, I have a pretty good amount of money in the bank, and I basically just live off my interest. And it doesn't seem like he lives like an extravagant lifestyle, but he, 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 commented that he pretty much has become a man of leisure and it's like yeah fair enough a man a man about town if you will yeah yeah (laughs) because they were talking he's because the reason he moved to france which is what i originally brought it up for is that he had friends living there and they're like you should just move to france and he's like you know what fuck it i will because he's like that's the kind of you know shit i could just decide i want to do because i don't you know i have money and i'm not uh super focused on you know uh having like you know being popular being famous or whatever so i can just yeah i'll fuck off to france for a couple years why not good times it sounds yeah it just it just sounds delightful being able to just fuck off whenever you want to yeah like that's 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 my dream. My mm-hmm. dream would be for me and Char that I wake up on a Wednesday morning. I'm like, <sighs> you know what? A drier climate would be better. Let's go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. If only our dads forced us to be a child star when we were younger. He did talk about that. His dad was crazy. So, well, yeah, and it's. See, I, th- I find it crazy that he's got a ton of money because wasn't there a whole scandal that his parents were like spending all of his fucking money he was making? Um, I think, th- I mean, he didn't really talk about that a whole lot. I think there was something, but it uh, got caught kind of early, I think. And so I think all of his money was put into like a trust or something. Right, right. He got a conservatorship because that yeah. that was the whole thing. He ended up like suing his parents and emancipating himself so that his finances could be separated and yeah. There was all there it was a whole like crazy thing, but yeah, so I think he was able to save a lot of it cuz I think, you know, that happened pretty quickly so then someone caught it, so he wasn't able to uh uh you know, they weren't able to spend it all before he was able to able to save it or whatever um oh i had another point i completely forgot what it was oh his dad he talked about how when he hosted snl when he was like you know eight or whatever whenever the fuck it was that his dad uh forced him to uh memorize his lines on the show 
because he didn't want him using cue cards. Yeah. And so he memorized everything. And he's like, but I was used to it, but I felt felt more uh, <clears throat> upset or I felt more bad for the for the cast because then they had to learn all their lines because he didn't want cue cards at all. So basically the cast got kind of fucked on that episode. <laughs> He's an interesting fellow. You should definitely check it out. It's just like an hour and a half of him and Joe Rogan just bullshitting for. We'll see. I got a whole giant list of bullshit to get through. But I'll add that to my giant list of bullshit to get through. There's so much stuff out there. All right. Content overload. Uh, But do you know one child star that definitely didn't get screwed up? Kurt motherfucking Russell. Holy fuck. Before before we get into this, can we just say this? I, I had a question about some some order of operations of these films that he was in. So I pulled up his IMDb, and I don't think I've ever, like, done a deep dive. Sweet fuck, he had a lot of work as a child actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, it was outrageous. He was on every fucking TV show. Every TV show. Mm-hmm. Gilligan's yeah. Island. I mean, Gilligan's Island isn't every TV show, but I mean. It isn't it, though? Isn't it? It should be. Yeah. I just had to bring that up because that was fucking yeah. that was crazy. I was like, I can't believe how much work he had. I can't think of another child star that worked that much. Shirley Temple. Yeah, yeah I'm, maybe. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hazard a guess. <laughs> I choose not to be involved in your guessing game. Oh, uh, he has exactly 100 acting credits on his IMDb. Oh, he should quit right now just for the right? sake of having exactly 100. Cool. Yeah, 100. I, I, I was going to say, the funny thing is, 57 of those <laughs> were TV shows before he was remotely famous. Oh, his first his first appearance is the Dennis the Menace TV show. Right. Wow. Well, we, think... we are doing a whole week right now about made-for-TV movies from the same year, and we mentioned last year that he had other movies that came out this year as well. So yeah. it's like, he, he certainly... Yeah, prolific would be a yeah. word you could use. Uh, yeah, I'm I, looking I, at four, at least four movies in 1975 and an appearance on possibly on Police Story in the same year. Yeah, I was going to say, I would say these, uh, even even without talking about the context of these movies, these movies are clearly post-Disney contract movies mm-hmm. where where he's attempting to get people to be like, no, I'm not just Dexter from the fucking Disney movies. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah. The the real question is, did he lose the Disney gig because he was doing this, or did he have the, uh, did he do this to get away from the Disney stuff? That's the only two options. My guess would be to get away from the Disney stuff that he was, like Noah said, kind of locked into one of those Disney contracts and then well, well especially since one of these was supposed to be an ongoing series so it's pretty obvious that he was uh, looking for a new track to go down somebody watching TV Shar uh, is in the other room it's probably picking it up hold on one second I'll close the door no you slam that door god damn it I'm recording an important podcast. Well, not an important podcast, but. (laughs) 
There we go. Is that better? Yeah, it was no big deal. It just sounded like somebody was talking yeah. in the background. I'm like, who the fuck? Yeah. Just some dude just talking in the background? Yeah, for for some reason, my my microphone works super, super good, even though the two I tried to buy for you guys turned into shit. <laughs> well, you, mine works fine. I'm using it right now. Uh, what are we talking about? Kurt Russell uh, doing TV movies? Yeah. Which one are we talking about first? Pick one. Well, let's... Uh... I don't know. Let's do uh, Search of the Gods. Whichever one of you wants to do it. Seems like Doug's a big fan of this one. I am? I don't know. <laughs> Are you not? Uh, well, perhaps that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, well, I know, Noah, you said you have some sort of uh, diatribe you want to go into on the next movie. So, Doug, why don't you just uh, do this one? <laughs> organized we've been a long time <laughs> yeah uh search of the gods it's uh starts in opens up in europe there's a guy and he's collecting pieces of some kind of an ancient medallion and the uh he mentions that there's one of the pieces can be found in with a an ancient north american indian tribe in arizona new mexico something like that and uh the rest of the movie kind of takes place there with um, some guys just hitchhiking and he stumbles across some people trying to rob an old Indian so he saves them ends up, they all end up in a jail in a jail cell together and he ends up the native guy passes away but it turns out he has one of these pieces of this ancient medallion with him so the other guy now has it and is intending to take it to the uh, the guy's daughter, granddaughter, whatever, whichever it is. Um, Kurt Russell happens to just be a guy in the next cell who's like, I want in on the adventure. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, and now they end up going on an adventure trying to figure out what this is and why other people are trying to get it. And I guess minor spoiler, like halfway through the movie, it becomes evident that this medallion thing that they're trying to piece together is a... Uh, some kind of marker that proves that aliens used to visit the Earth, and that's why it, there's these different pieces of this same thing all over the planet. And there's these could different... it be aliens? <laughs> and so they have to go on, and they're trying to, you know, find more proof of that. And they, it, then it turns into an episode of every '70s action adventure TV show where they're like, for some reason, they all know how to climb down giant rock mountains, and they have to get in fights where they go in the river because everybody has to get thrown in the water in every 70s TV show. <laughs> and uh, eventually they find yeah, the, a, a grave site with like an alien corpse in it. And uh, the adventure is going to continue as they search for the rest of the pieces, but that, that didn't happen. <laughs> it certainly feels like at the end of this they're like and next week we'll fly to a different part of the country and look for another piece of this and yeah. and, and, and I, I looked into it I don't think that they did that the next week at all so. I mean basically this is like shitty made for TV Indiana Jones yeah, yeah. definitely had the uh, Incredible Hulk uh, <laughs> earmarks on it yeah. it's like well he's just gonna hitchhike to a new city every episode hoping to find these weird they call them medallions but I mean they just look like a giant broken up thing to me seems yeah. pretty obvious 
Yeah, I was I was going to say the biggest the biggest thing that took me a while because I didn't do much research on this other than just watching a little crappy trailer for it before I watched it mm-hmm. um, was at the very beginning in like the opening shot, they established there's a certain amount of these pieces. There's like five or eight or something like that, supposedly. And bad guys got one. Good guys got one. And we get three quarters of the way through the movie. And I was like, they haven't even found a second piece yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute. This is highly suspect. This is a goddamn pilot, isn't it? This is a fucking TV show pilot. (laughs) (laughs) Then, of course, I got on Wikipedia and it's like, it's a pilot for a series that was never picked up. I was like, damn it. I knew it. I I never even double checked it. I just assumed I was like, (laughs) cause I went in completely blind. Like I literally like just searched the title on YouTube and the first response was a full version of the movie. I'm like, all right, I'll just go straight to that. Then there's no point looking at anything else. So I went in not having a clue. And I have to, I do have to say, I, I did kind of enjoy it. Like I found the first half of the, movie i was actually kind of intrigued by the mystery before i realized that they weren't ever going to solve it and then the second half like i say is just like an episode of any you know mid-70s tv show like the incredible hulk or dukes of hazard or whatever it's those ridiculous over-the-top fight scenes where everybody knows how to do drop kicks for some reason they always have to throw a guy in the in the water and you know the, the bad guys always show up at the last minute and try to steal the thing they found. Like, it's... It was kind of fun to watch. I don't know if I'd argue that it was good or not. I found it very boring. Really? I was not in on the mystery, and maybe that's because I saw your post on Instagram and kind of figured out what was going on, like, immediately. Okay. Like, oh, it's about aliens. And then uh, just was like, oh, well... And I feel like the performances weren't all that great either. Even like Kurt Russell, I don't feel like was putting in. Like usually, if if anything, it's like, oh, he's really good. The rest of the thing sucks. But I feel like he just kind of blended in with everything else. It was TV show acting. For sure. Well, and, and, and the fact that you've got Diet Hendrickson running around. Because he, he fucks up everything that he's in. Because it's so distracting that you're like, he looks like someone tried to clone Lance Hendrickson and just didn't get it quite right. <laughs> it's not nice. Uh, poor Stephen McCaddy. And he's great. He's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. just his the, the physical similarities between him and Lance Hendrickson. Are, it causes an uncanny valley issue for me. <laughs> It's like a time cop thing where they can't be in the same room at the same time. Like they can't touch. Otherwise something bad will happen. Right. Why, why no one ever made a movie where him and Lance Hendrickson didn't play like, uh, brothers that were also cops out solving some crime. (laughs) How do you know they didn't blows my mind? Maybe (laughs) I could be wrong. Maybe that movie exists. I love how you think things that blow your mind are just like, I had this random idea. And it shocks me that other people also didn't have it. It does. Uh, uh, so I don't know. We want to talk about this movie. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about because much much like the Ancient Aliens TV series that this is basically the movie of, um, mm. there's a whole lot of talking 
and speculation and and uh, nothing happening and no actual content. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't the plot takes a long time to move forward and it's uh like this probably should have been an episode of a TV show, not an hour and a half long pilot. Yeah. Um, and then I think it would have been better. I also found like the uh, there was a lot of like silly errors in the making of it that were like like at the beginning we have like the guy in Europe threatening to he wants to send somebody to like North America to find this other piece. Cut to Stephen McGaddy is shows up randomly at this native guy's house. I spent the first 10 minutes assuming that he was the guy that was sent by the European guy because <laughs> that's how it felt. And it turns out, no, he's just a random character that showed up in like scene three that with no explanation whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. I just found it very <laughs> confusing. And I'm like, this is not the kind of movie that is designed to, uh, to make you think I shouldn't be thinking about this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like maybe like the last ten or five or ten minutes, I was sort of into some of the actiony stuff, but yeah, by that point, I'm just like, well, this took way too long to happen, and the fact, yeah, that I didn't even put together that it was going to be a TV show until it ended, and I'm like, oh, this was supposed to be a TV show. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's so many fucking problems with this. <laughs> It, it has a lot of the uh, a lot of the issues too of like this is classic like seventies TV problems where totally like, yeah they just go to the uh, like they go to that professor and he's just like they're like look we found this and he's like I've never heard of this before I have absolutely no idea what it is I don't know what the material is I don't know what to date it to I don't know anything about it he's like come back tomorrow and they come back tomorrow and he's like I found a picture of the thing and this clearly is one of the nine parts and he's got it all figured out and it's just like okay thank you professor like he just it's just that classic thing where they they feel like they have to have that one guy that just knows everything to just give the kind of exposition and just to bring our characters up to speed there's got to be a better way well and there's also for the for the fact that the the bad guy is uh clearly willing to resort to violence to get this thing i've never seen a movie where the bad guy sends so so much time just trying to legitimately purchase the thing (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> several meetings with different people where he yeah. tries to purchase things and and offering a very reasonable amount for the 70s dog i'll give you twenty thousand dollars for that thing oh well it's a family heirloom and it's like then fucking sell it i don't give <laughs> if somebody was like i want your granddad's pocket watch here's fucking a hundred thousand dollars because that's basically what twenty thousand dollars in 1970s dollars is I'd be like, take this fucking watch. <laughs> I'll cry about it later while I'm sleeping on this pile of money. Yeah, I do like that at least uh, Kurt Russell was smart enough that uh, they offer him $500 to betray everybody. And he just looks at him. He's like, well, I know so-and-so offered like 10000 And then you offered someone else like twenty, And you're offering me like nothing? He's like, no, it's gonna take like thirty thousand, and then eventually they're like, okay, thirty thousand. But again, they were still just. Oh, that was really good, though. I just googled what twenty thousand in nineteen seventy-five money is, and it says ninety-seven thousand two hundred forty-two dollars. So oh, I, 
Oh, I know that translation. It is literally the only amount of inflation that I can do in my head is from 1970s dollars to today's dollars. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. I liked the... Uh, that's when I thought Kurt Russell actually kind of did stand out a little bit as in his acting when he yeah. like got super offended because they were offering him 500 bucks. <laughs> it's like what don't come at me with peanuts he's yeah. all upset um I, I, the funny thing is the uh the woman in it uh who i didn't even bother to look up her name it's the only thing i remember her from is she was in uh ernest goes to camp yeah <laughs> that's like, where the fuck i knew her from yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, I don't even know who you are, but the only thing I know you from is Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah, and then we... <laughs> this movie also has a problem that... I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly where I land on it. So, inclusion of lots and lots of Native American people, I was like, good? Main character's white. Mmm, less good. Also... All Native Americans are magic. I was like, oh, that's not good either. <laughs> it was 1975. I, th- I think this is pretty good for that standard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, 1975, it's, it's a product of its time. You should just be happy that every Native American wasn't walking out and be like, how, white man, throughout the entire movie. <laughs> that's 100% true. <laughs> and the first thing we get to see is that old... Uh, uh, indigenous guy beat the ever living fuck out of two guys with a stick. Right. Yep. <laughs> I was I was kind of into that moment. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. That old dude just clubbed the fuck out of these two guys. And and then of course you don't get much more of that. Yeah. The rest yeah. of it's all drop kicks for some reason. What is it with nineteen seventies in every fight involving multiple jump kicks? That's all that some people knew how to do. I don't understand. It's hilarious. And it's like, I don't... Do they understand that the average person probably can't do that? Because I don't think most people can throw a drop kick. <laughs> but in the movies they can, or in the TV shows, I should say. Yeah. You know, I felt, I think, when I initially read the the uh, synopsis and stuff, that I felt like this would be more like that movie Firewalker that we did. Where it's just more of like a buddy adventure type thing. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like we didn't get, we didn't really get that at all. I, I feel like if the, the three leads, if they had felt more like friends, I think I would have preferred it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's 1975 TV movie. I guess. What are you going to, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think someone got fired a few years after the fact whenever uh, Kurt Russell did used cars and all of a sudden became a fucking giant Uber celebrity and they were like, <laughs> fuck, we had him in a TV pilot. We passed on it. <laughs> Fire Jim Johnson. We could have had this bitch in a contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is crazy how you can see the bump. So, like I said, I was looking at his IMDb, and it's like, okay, one shot, one shot, one shot. All these, you know, as a child on all these um, TV series, and then 
He's in the Disney movies, and then he's doing shit like this, which, I mean, it's a paycheck, but nobody's giving a shit. And then, man, he does used cars and then escape from L.A. back to back. Escape from New York. Yeah, escape from New York. Sorry. There's a big quality difference in those (laughs) those two movies. (laughs) Yeah. But but that's just bonkers. It's bonkers that he hits those two right in a row because it's like, okay, well, well now he's he got them comedy chops in one movie, and then he's got the uh, tongue in cheek action guy. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're looking at it with twenty twenty one vision, because um, we'll probably talk about it more next week. But uh, we got to remember that because I don't know how well Escape from New York did. Um, but like the thing and uh, Big Trouble in Little China both were like horrible flops at the time. Now everybody loves them, of course. But at the time, they were just looked at as like, eh, shitty movie at the movies. Oh well. Yeah, but uh, Safe for New York was a big hit, right? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how that one. I I thought it was. I thought it was a huge commercial success. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, if he does use cars and then uh, escape from New York and shows off like two completely different sides of himself, that does help set him up for pretty much the rest of his career. Right. And then he goes on a tear. If you look at it, all the movies he does like right in that five to ten year Mm. run, he's just nailing it. Yeah. Yeah, to the fox and the hound. Forgot about that. How does that not on our list? Well, it can be. I forgot totally that he did a fucking anything with that. It played the the voice of Copper. Yeah, that's wild. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Apparently, Disney, <laughs> Disney was like, "We have one more." <laughs> just there's just still something in there. It was back here on the back page. Got one more. Yeah, you forgot. Well, what if I do an animated movie? Uh, all right. Fine. You win this time, Russell. You'll be back. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else about In Search of the Gods? No, this one's, this one's kind of hard to recommend. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just kind of boring. Like, it's just not no, yeah, exciting. I don't think it was bad i just don't think it was good either it's sort of like very middling and it's like who wants to watch a middling tv show from 1975 you do see Uh, like from a kurt russell perspective you see him starting to develop that like smirk and stuff that he shows off in like mm -hmm. big trouble little china and all those other (laughs) movies like that character that he develops you can see it coming through here but he hasn't perfected it yet i was gonna say it is amazing that for an actor who's had the diversity of roles that that Kurt Russell's had over the years, he does not actually have very much range. His delivery is the same in every fucking character, and I think I'm seeing that more and more and more as time goes off. I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with that. Is- I, don't th- I don't think what he did this week com- compared to what he did last week, I don't think those are very much the same. I think he eventually kind of in the 80s became well, the action star guy. Yeah, or, arguably 
arguably, I'd say that I'm not counting the the Disney stuff because that's very specific. But but from this point forward, that kind of I don't know his his patter and his smirk and his delivery, it's it's the same as Snake Plissken as it is Santa Claus. Like it's the same, it's the same character. <laughs> Well, if I go that not, far, things a little well, bit different. But. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. It's they're not identical. He's he's a talented actor. I'm just saying his there's something there is an innate Kurt Russell quality mm-hmm. that inevitably bleeds into every single thing he does. <clears throat> that uh, that charisma does a lot of heavy lifting for him. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, not somebody who disappears into a role like uh, like a Gary Oldman does. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah, I feel like you hire Kurt Russell for a very specific reason. He's not going to transform himself, but he can do a nice, like, funny, uh, charismatic character. And I think he can also do a pretty serious, like, dramatic piece when he needs to. Um, Oh, yeah, he wasn't exactly funny in, like, The Thing or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does have sort of a charm to him when he's, like... You know, dumping whiskey or bourbon or whatever into his computer because it beat him at chess. Well, yeah, he has a that natural charm that got a lot of guys famous in the eighties. You know, where it's he can be a dick, but you still kind of like him, yeah. and that shines through. And I think that charisma is really gonna really helps him out in the next movie where he has, like what we're about to talk about, where he has not yeah. much to do or say. Oh yeah, he still kind of commands the screen. Yeah, dialogue. Very little dialogue for his next character. Yeah, so. I was I was thinking at first that he only had two lines of dialogue, but I was I was a little off on that because he says a little bit more than that only because of the gun shop scene. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, you want to tell us about uh, Deadly Tower? Yeah, so Deadly Tower is the telling of uh, the Charles Whitman 1966 clock tower sniper mm. shootings. Which is a fucking travesty of history that (laughs) bothers me. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty, pretty accurate. I mean, it's from what I from what I know of the incident, it seemed like it was pretty faithful. Yeah. Yeah. They they read up a little bit and it did seem right. They acknowledge in the movie that some of some of the family stuff with one of the cops is kind of added for dramatic yeah. effect but well there's yeah. there's a reason for that but we'll get into it yeah that okay. stuff is um there's there's a few other things they they leave out some of the the grislier details that i almost feel like should be included does, yeah. does that make sense like some of the more awful sure. things i think i think you need it in that story to be like yeah. this is how awful this was yeah you need to see how terrible of a person and how terrible of just this whole scenario was for for people that lived through it. Yeah, yeah. And well, we'll get we'll get into it further into the movie, but um, yeah. So so basically, this this whole thing is a it's a travesty. Every the the biggest problem with Charles Whitman in this shooting is that it's so much easier when something awful like this happens, whenever you can go, Oh, that guy's a monster. Mm. Right. Like the Unabomber yeah. guy, you just go, well, that dude's a fucking nutbag. Yeah. But this guy, that's, that's not what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, the, the problem with this movie is this movie starts 
at at the breaking point. It, it starts with him already having crossed the the line into he's getting ready to do something terrible, mm. and it, it leaves out all of the shit that led up to it, where we as a society failed over and over and over and over and over to address anything. If if the American system bothered to take care of fucking vets, this probably wouldn't have ever happened. If the American system had a good medical system so that he was getting routine checkups, maybe they would have found the fucking brain tumor in his head that was making him go fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe if fucking his psychiatrist actually reported the fact that he told the psychiatrist that he was having violent impulses that he could no longer control and was thinking about going up the clock tower with a deer rifle and shooting people verbatim. Yeah. These people don't fucking die. It's, it's just, just over and over everything in this fucking story. It's just failure after fucking failure after fucking failure. And then nobody taking responsibility for it after the fact, whenever he died in So the movie addresses the suicide note. Well, quote, quote finger, suicide note, manifesto, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that's way longer than it is in the movie. And in it, he writes out all this fucking, he basically lays out not, not exactly what he's getting ready to do. He doesn't ever say, I'm going to go shoot up the clock tower He basically says, I'm going to do something terrible. And he lays it out and he even writes in there, you know, I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that I'm having these problems. They can't control it. I'm having these awful headaches. Nobody will do anything about it. I talked to the psychiatrist. He referred me to the fucking school psychiatrist. I went to see the school psychiatrist. He didn't fucking do anything. And now I'm going to do something terrible. And I hope that this terrible thing that I'm about to do opens people's fucking minds up so that it doesn't happen again. And and here we are 50 fucking five years later and we haven't fixed a single goddamn thing. Mm-mm. No. Yep. As a matter of fact, like, cause even like some of the stuff that they talk about in this movie, it's like, Oh, those debates are still happening today. <laughs> when they talk about everything from like gun laws to all sorts of other shit. And it's just like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right, right. The only the only thing that's changed from then to now is now you cannot walk into a gun store and buy five guns and walk out with them the same day. Yeah. Now you could go to a fucking gun show and do that. Because mm-hmm. for some reason, private sales don't have to obey any of the fucking gun laws in America because mm-hmm. we're fucking idiots. Yep. Yep, that's one of my talking points when I have to argue with gun people. I'm like, nobody's saying that you can't own a gun. It's just we're saying that there should be a way to make sure all of these guns are properly registered so we know who is buying what and where it's going. Yeah, and then there's – and then the story – like, it even goes on past his death because, you know, the movie ends with them stopping him, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in in the suicide note – he requested two things. He, first, he requested an autopsy because he wanted people to know if there actually was something physically wrong with him that was causing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. In which, guess what? He had a fucking brain tumor the size of a pecan in his brain. As mm-hmm. it turns out, that might do something. But the the initial person who did the autopsy was just like one of those shitty old timey coroners that we all 
if you guys follow true crime stuff, you'll find out that coroners, uh, some of them are just elected and don't know jack shit about the human body, which is weird. Uh, But he said, okay, well, he's got a tumor the size of a pecan in his brain, but that didn't have any effect on his behavior. And so an inquest was formed in which they brought in a bunch of scientists and they spent a bunch of money on it and they had to change everything. But he he also requested for his body to be cremated. So they're basically performing a review of the first autopsy. Yeah. They had some they had tissue from the tumor and stuff, but in all they had was this guy's notes and they basically came to the, the conclusion of, well, you can't say that it didn't do it, but since we don't have the body, we can't make yeah. any other determinations. And then over the years, it's been reviewed again and again and again. And finally, now modern science, they've basically gone in. They were like, he had a pecan sized tumor that was sitting on his amygdala, which that's the part of your brain that causes fight or flight <laughs> reflexes. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it was causing him to have outbursts and anger and uncontrollable emotions. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's fucked. It's fucked that they all wrote that that biological component off to you. Because once again, that I think that's just them agreeing with me that these things are easier to deal with if you can just say the guy's a fucking monster. Yeah. But, but I don't think that's the case with this guy. Yeah. He, he was sick. And, and what he did was monstrous. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, they shouldn't have gone up the clock tower and sh- shot the dude 37 times to stop him. Because that is the correct response once the bullets start flying. My complaint is that they could have stopped the bullets in the first place. Mm. Yeah, there was, a good, there was a good section of years that they could have not... They could have calmed this whole situation from happening. But like you pointed out, there's so many failures on so many levels that it just it became impossible for anybody to, number one, predict because nobody was paying attention. And number two, just, you know, help him rather than just being like, well, it's just some some people are a little little crazy. So, yeah. What's what's that? You got severe anger problems and pressure in your brain could be anything have some chewing tobacco <laughs> want some cocaine injected into it yeah, yeah uh, they pres- they, at one point they were prescribing him amphetamines oh yeah he was literally prescribed meth like <laughs> for fuck's sakes uh, i think it does calm you down <laughs> loosens a couple teeth uh, yeah i suppose once it wears off <laughs> Uh, so what do we think of the movie itself? I think it's a it's a good translation and mm-hmm. that uh, Kurt Russell does heavy fucking lifting in this movie to deliver that character with as little uh, dialogue and stuff as he has to develop him. Yeah. A lot of people around him have to do exposition because... Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of you can see that there's obviously something wrong with them, and it's a tense situation and all this stuff. But yeah, he his character is very quiet, very intense, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that charisma we were talking about earlier really goes a long way when you have to 
when you have this yeah. much screen time and you're not actually like a lot of the screen time he has he's alone on a roof you see him shooting guns and ducking from bullets that are being shot back at him but that's it like he's yeah. not so he the fact that he keeps it interesting has it's that that's that whatever it is about guys like him that are just, it's just naturally interesting to watch him do things mm-hmm. and it it's hard. I would think it'd be a hard role to play, especially for a guy like Kurt Russell, who coming off of Disney stuff and Search for the Gods, like you know, where he's charismatic but in a very different way, where he's kind of like a likable, kind of goofy guy, and then to go and do something like this in the same year as doing those other things, it's, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sort of surprised the movie, like for a made-for-TV movie from this era, for it to all be about the day, really kind of surprised me. And, you know, a solid, like, hour of the movie is him up on the tower shooting down at people. And I'm like, yeah. that's that really surprised me. I thought it would be more like a, about the lead up to it or or the follow up to it. Um, so I was kind of I was caught off guard by it. But then I was, like, really impressed with how well they pulled it off. I think it's it's a very intense movie. There were times where it was difficult to watch, which is good for when you're watching this. Um Obviously, some of the limitations as far as what they can show because they're on TV were noticeable. But I thought they right. did, like watching those guys try to get get to the tower and get up to him. I thought they did that really well. But the guy that played the the is it Rodriguez? Is that his name? Uh, Martinez. Martinez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So I thought he did uh, that. That actor was good. Like he looked fucking stressed the whole time, and you're like, okay. Yeah, thought it was yeah. weird that Ned Beatty was in it. <laughs> yeah, it it almost plays out like in real time. Like I think yeah. they mentioned at some point, like at about an hour hour into the movie, like yeah, for the past hour he's been shooting people, and I'm like, oh okay. So I mean, it's, it, this hasn't been like a uh, them condensing everything down from like you know twelve hours to. Nope, it's only been about an hour, but a lot of shit has gone on, so... Yeah. Yeah, I I was going to say, most of my complaints aren't necessarily filmmaking practices. Maybe some other stuff. I I think they went out of their way to... Once again, I I don't consider this shooter to be this boogeyman character. He was like... Unless you want to consider him like the American boogeyman, I guess. But they changed some of it. So the mom uh, that he killed, all the evidence says that she was unconscious whenever he killed her. Um, Okay. Although there's, there's some weirdness about that. They think maybe he like snuck up on her and like sleeper holded her out basically and then stabbed her. And, And the wife was killed in her sleep as well. He didn't, there, there was no, looming screaming guy with a knife that was yeah. added purely for drama yeah it was weird i thought it was weird because i mean the the mom dies and then yes he kills the wife but then like when he's writing up his thing it's like 3 a.m you know wife dead and i'm like well 3 a.m but she like came home from somewhere at 3 a.m Right. This, yeah. is, this is a, like a weird scenario. Well, yeah, she yeah she came home at three a.m. and she was a high school teacher. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, 
yeah, like I said, they they changed that for drama. Uh, they also changed like whenever he's up in the tower and all those people are shooting and you're seeing the bullets ricocheting over his head and stuff. That is completely inaccurate. Part of the whole fucked up situation is uh, it, <laughs> if you guys know anything about physics. So if you mm-hmm. shoot something forward, it drops at the same rate no matter what, which means if you're very high up, you can shoot very far and still kill people. But when you're shooting up, that force works against you and no one could shoot at him because he was so high up. Yeah. So so instead of those bullets hitting around his head like they were showing it, we're instead shooting out like the windows of the fucking tower <laughs> where there was like people in those rooms and shit. Who are all having to hide from these idiot rednecks fucking unloading their guns at the sky like fucking Yosemite Sam. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought yeah. that was like I I didn't do math or, or or research, but I was like, as it's happening, I'm like, how are they shooting the top of that tower from the ground? That doesn't make sense. You know, no. what I mean? and uh, it was it was it felt like it was added in and it hurt the film in the sense of. They actually do inject some uh, gun legislation debate into the movie. And it's like, by making it seem like those guys could have taken him out theoretically, had one of them just, you know, gotten lucky enough to hit him, it seems like you're kind of skewing that debate, even though I I liked that they had different characters expressing different opinions and not necessarily, um, not necessarily kind of lecturing on on the gun control issue. Uh, But then by skewing it, by altering the facts, you kind of hurt your own... You, you hurt the lack of a message, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, there's all sorts of problems. I'm just... I'm way too familiar with this particular incident. <laughs> For some reason, it seems to come back into my life over and over and over again over the years. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's just all sorts of stuff. So... Uh, the the whole thing with him listening to the news um, over his little radio, that was a real thing, too. And they kind of left out an important detail on that, too. So the, the vultures that are the American media were out there giving a pornographic blow by blow of everything that was going on. Yeah. Well, he was sitting up in the tower with the radio listening to them. So they were telling him where people were hiding, where the police were trying to approach, where where they were trying to get injured people off the fields. All So he like knew they kept talking about it because they were like, oh, my God, he was just shooting over there. Why is he shooting over here now? And it's like because you just told him where everyone is, you fucking pieces of shit. Like, yeah, one of the things I read is that. Uh... Pretty much this incident is responsible for the creation of uh, the SWAT team program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, the police had horrible weapons. They couldn't do anything to, you know, stop them, like we've been talking about. And they noticed that when citizens were showing up with their firearms, that a lot of them had better firearms than the police do. So they... it's the. From this incident, they built up the SWAT team program to deal with incidents like this. It has since been kind of bastardized now. Right. Just about every police officer has military-grade weapons. 
It's always interesting when you talk about that, though, because it's like, okay, they brought in the SWAT team to to deal with this, but it was like a cop with his sidearm that took him out. It all they really needed was a way to get into the building safely and make it to, and no. go up the stairs. So right. all like the, having the bigger guns doesn't necessarily help in the situation, but that's the immediate reaction. <laughs> when, whenever you hear about these, whenever you hear about these incidents, it's always like, like you read up on this incident. And it's like after this, they closed the fucking uh, observation tower. They didn't bring in new gun legislation. They didn't. They didn't well, bring in anything to do with to deal with the mental health or have yeah. you know psychiatrists have more <laughs> access to information to help deal with <laughs> right. the problems. The, right. the observation was, tower was the problem. Like it's, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say this. There's some sweet, sweet irony there too. So they they didn't bring in gun legislation when a sniper sat on top of a tower in killed dozens and dozens and dozens of people. But they did enact the Brady Bill once uh, somebody shot at someone important. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, once again, that's fucking America the Beautiful. We're fucking <laughs> pieces of shit. It's awful. I've I've listed... Ah! Scream! Uh, of... of <laughs> Of all the problems with this, yeah, the one thing they decided is, you know what we need? Bigger, better weapons for police. Yeah. That's that's the fucking takeaway of of all of the failures that happened in this case. And it, again, it doesn't really make sense because they still don't have a gun that they could just pick him off from the ground with. Right, right. Well, unless you had a sniper rifle, you would still need to have someone up on top of a building yeah. that's a, a trained sniper which <laughs> that's a lot of work. It just could just give people medical checkups, but well, I mean, and that's part of the problem with human nature is we're much more reactive than we are proactive. So incidents like this just end up bringing that to everyone's attention. It's like, Oh, we could do something to stop it from happening. Now we'll, uh, we'll man up and deal with it when it comes. Yeah. And there's, like I said, they, they left out some of the more grisly stuff. Cause this was made for TV. The, uh, the scene where they're talking about the pregnant lady that got shot. Yeah. Uh, that was a true story. And she got shot and fell. And she was like out in the middle of one of those big grassy areas. Um, and she was with her, uh, boyfriend, I do believe I don't think they were married of the time and he was killed and that's the dad of the kid. And so she gets shot. She falls and she freezes because everyone's moving around and everyone that's moving. He's shooting at. So she's laying there bleeding, pretending to be dead for like 45 minutes. And another lady ran out and laid down next to her and also pretended to be dead to like talk to her and calm her down so she wouldn't like bleed out it's it's awful the whole everything's that's, awful yeah that's the one thing you could say about this um movie like it's not necessarily a criticism it's just an observation it definitely it's about you know the cops and the killer it's not about the victims at all and that's it's a bit weird to have a movie with this many people getting killed and we don't even really learn the names of the people being killed. Although yeah, I would some say some of them are said, but it's not emphasized. Yeah, I was gonna say the only the only thing that they do that I thought was a good touch that kind of reflects that is at the end of the movie when they've just taken out the guy and the uh, the radio starts lift listing off casualties. Yeah. 
and uh, the the um, oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Something Crumb, mm. Harry Harry Crumb, is that it? Maybe. <laughs> no, that's a John Candy movie. No, yeah. no, I can't. Remember. I was gonna let that go, Brian, so that the listeners could. <laughs> let just, it, that's but that's what his name sounds like. Um, it doesn't matter what his name is. Yeah, yeah, but where he freaks out and starts smashing the radio. Alan Crumb. Alan Crumb. Thank you. You could have just said Ned Beatty. Uh, yeah. But I thought that was that's a pretty powerful moment, I felt. And, and I don't know. I, I Like I said, for, for a made-for-TV movie, this one had some big moments. Kind of like whenever they're walking uh, the, the main cop out, and he's basically in shock because he just killed somebody and from all the stress and... And just how out of it he is, you know what I mean? There's no, he doesn't walk out the front going, woo, yeah, stop that motherfucker, you know? Instead, yeah. it's like, oh, this is awful, you know? Yeah, yeah, it reflects the tragedy rather than glorifying them solving it. Yeah, so the disclaimer at the beginning about how they changed some of the family stuff or whatever. Um. Yeah. So the guy Martinez, the real the real guy, is Hispanic. He ended up suing MGM, I think, before the movie came out, um, because they had uh, basically completely changed his uh, family in the in the story. Um, his wife was not pregnant at the time, and his wife is of German American descent. She's not Hispanic either. And he felt they were trying to play into well-known uh, stereotypes of the time that, you know, all Hispanic women end up pregnant like all the time and mm-hmm. that they don't, you know, they would, they couldn't show a mixed race couple or whatever uh, married. Yeah. To be fair, they probably made a conscious decision not to have a mixed race couple. Yeah. yeah. Which and, is uh, interesting. It's interesting that they would both make that decision. And directly put in the movie that clearly the police department is racist and passing him over because he's Hispanic. Yeah. So he sued them for that. And that's they put the little disclaimer that they changed stuff for dramatic effect or whatever. It's interesting that he's the one that would sue because they Not clearly a big make him. He's like the hero of the movie. And he sues because he yeah. like the way his wife got like that. It actually makes me respect the guy more. But I, I know nothing about him except what was shown in this movie and what you just said, but it's like there there's a documentary about this that uh, they interview him for a significant portion of it and listening to him talks pretty good. Is that the one from like 2016? Yeah. Yeah. The one where it's like a weird animated thing for most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually tried to watch it this week, um, but I would have had to pay to see it. So never mind. It's worth it's worth a watch. It's it's yeah. It's really well made, and the fact that it, one hundred percent, almost exclusively focuses on victims. Like it's it's an entire documentary about the victims of this shooting. Well, it's, yeah, that's good. Like yeah. I say, I just got I just got cheap when I <laughs> yeah. tried to watch it. So. Um, well, I think it sounds like a recommend from all three of us. Yeah, yeah it's, it was, a, it's a big recommend for me. I, I was really impressed with it. Um, yeah. You know, I thought they did a really good job of portraying the event, even if it's you know, 
most of the inaccuracies we've pointed to are pretty minor mm -hmm. and uh you know it's it's it would have been a difficult movie to make and they pulled it off so yeah, yeah they had to go to new orleans to make it because they felt if they shot it in the real location where it happened it would be a little disrespectful so well yeah and it was only what nine years after the fact yeah so plus they uh, did the right thing and shut down the observation deck so they wouldn't have been allowed up there that's true yeah that is that is stupid <laughs> But it's like, well, I mean, if people can't get up there, then they can't shoot people. So problem solved. I don't think that's how that works. There's just all sorts of stuff. Because I, I don't, I can't recall ever reading anything about him going up the tower. But the fact that he made it past a security desk with a dolly with a, a very literal gun case. Uh, he was, mm -hmm. it was the 70s and he was wearing coveralls so I don't know if, but it doesn't surprise me that much were people just fucking stupid in the 70s though I don't think they were no but security wasn't a big like, security was not a big concern until relatively recently in history where it's just you just you just wandered into places and just everyone was just kind of okay with it I suppose so keeping in mind that this was like the worst incident of its kind ever when it happened right so people weren't prepared for it. Yeah. yeah it's interesting and it's definitely something that uh even if you don't know the direct incident that it has been talked about multiple times on multiple uh different movies and whatever else yeah pretty much anytime you hear about somebody climbing a tower and oh yeah shooting people this that, is the incident that it comes back to that that running joke for me, is one of the cringiest things. I don't, I don't know. Even in even whenever I'm watching something horrible and tasteless, funny, and somebody does the whole "I'll be in the clock tower" joke, mm -hmm. like I don't. It's just upsetting. I don't know. It's not funny. Even even this much later, it's not funny. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else before we move on? No. Oh, it's good. Vote. Vote, vote with your conscience, for fuck's sakes. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. We have one piece of feedback. What? Uh, good, our good friend Kent wrote back in, said, hey guys, thanks for recommending the Harley Quinn show. Yeah. Alan, Alan Tudyk's Clayface, James Adomian's Bane, Jim Rash's Riddler, and Matt Oberg's Kite Man are fan-flippantastic. It's also hilarious that Christopher Milani plays a very different sort of cop as Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I do enjoy his burnt out, just tired of all of it, Commissioner Gordon in that show. Uh, he says, by the time this comes out, WandaVision will have ended. I hope it stuck the landing. Did Doctor Strange show up? Mephisto? How do the visions resolve? Is this going to wrap up with one season? It's a great show in any case. Kent. Thanks, Kent. Yeah. I 
I think it's going to wrap up. I from the um, the impression I'm getting from WandaVision and maybe from other stuff I'm seeing is that they're treating these like mini series. Yeah. That's how I'm seeing it. Like I'm not saying that they won't ever do another you know, Wanda and, and or Vision thing on Disney Plus, but I think that this is a standalone story, mm-hmm. and so they can like they, yeah. you know, they could do another mini series sometime in the future. But I don't think the plan is to like bring these back year after year. Although, although his timing was a little off, we still last episodes tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. but by the time this comes out, Wanda Vision right. will have been. He's yeah. correct about that. He just mm-hmm. we, we record the day before the show comes out. Yeah. Screw everything up. Yeah, too. Uh, so they, we'll we'll get to it in the in the post post credits here. But uh, yeah, they got me. They got me again. <laughs> second second thing right. I was not ready for. I don't even know what you're talking about. I pretty much dump trucked uh, last week's episode. We'll have to go over it. Um, yeah, they have confirmed this is going to be a one season show. And for some reason, some fans are like, "What?" But it's so good. And it's like, yeah, but if they just did the same thing again next season, like you would be like, well, this is boring. Well, and having something short and contained that's good and has an ending is so much better than a fucking meandering TV show that gets canceled in the middle of a storyline. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, no one will ever convince me otherwise. That's the way every, I feel like every TV series other than like a sitcom should should be self-contained every season should be completely self-contained yeah yeah they they've said it's only been one season i think they've already commented that falcon and winter soldiers only going to be one season oh yeah that, well that one so one division i kind of understood them going tv show with it right because yeah. Yeah, they killed off uh, Vision and Wanda's. They haven't really given her. A, they've given her badass moments, but they haven't given her good footing. Yeah, in any of the movies. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. But Andrew Mackey, man, people fucking love the Falcon character. Yeah. and Sebastian Sands just dope. I agree. Yeah, I think we'll see those guys in a lot more stuff even if this is the only show yeah. like the only incarnation of this show maybe whoever walks away with the shield at the end of it will get another show or his own movie whichever one yeah yeah i think people are just not understanding like this is this is not the regular model of tv no. um the you know week to week stuff i guess is which I know annoys Noah to know to, to every extreme, um, but yeah, you know, no, I don't mind the weekly pacing. I I get more irritated with the short episode length. No, apparently yeah. so, Kevin Feige has said the last episode is fifty minutes long, so we'll at least get something there. That could all be a lie, just to screw with Noah's head. Though, remember that last yeah. time he thought an episode was going to be longer, and it was true. Uh, but yeah, this is like a different way of storytelling. It's just, well, we can do like, 
uh, you know, six hour, seven hour movie, essentially, if we break it up into episodes and do it that way rather than, you know, having a two and a half hour movie and uh, whatever. So, I mean, some of these series just won't be coming back because they're not intended to be a continuing series. So, it'll all work itself out. Yeah. 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 I'm glad, you, glad you enjoyed uh, Harley Quinn because it's, it's delightful. Yeah. Way better than it should be. I really like, so I got Fat Kid watching it too. And, uh, he was complaining about Clayface because mm-hmm. he was like, I don't know. Why did they like do this to him? He's a giant murder monster in the, the comic books. And I was like, oh, just wait. They, they actually do a call out to that in season two. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> you could have done this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Love that show. Can't wait till it comes back. Um, all right. What did everybody watch? Uh, I watched a few things. Um, uh, I started Lovecraft Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, to check that out, it's it's interesting. Yeah, is the biggest thing. I I just started episode four, so they kind of like wrapped up that first story arc. I guess I I, I don't quite understand the structure of it yet. It, it, is it supposed to be like? an anthology but revolving around the same characters uh it goes in waves it definitely there's definitely sections um which kind of threw me off and i find some sections better than others but it'll all it'll all wrap itself up i think somewhat decently yeah, and then the the other thing that's kind of been throwing me off a little bit is maybe the the music choice, the soundtrack Mm-hmm. O- only yeah. because it's it's a period thing yeah and dealing with mostly period issues with a m- absolutely modern soundtrack every once in a while and you're like I- it just i don't know something about that like throws me way off mm-hmm. yeah. it didn't it didn't work quite right but besides that i really like it the opening scene that is basically a hybrid of Jackie Robinson and John Carter of Mars fighting fucking Cthulhu with a baseball bat is, is just about enough to sell me on anything. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It gets crazy. Yeah. I just, I just about lost my shit. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm so into this now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird fucked up shit that's still to come. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was enjoyable. Um, I found out uh, I was going to do a rewatch of Stargirl, but whenever I opened it up, I figured out that I'd actually somehow missed the last three episodes of the first season. Oh, I yeah. and I don't know how I did it. For some reason, I thought the when the mom walks into the basement and catches Pat and her with the staff yeah. that that was the end of season one. You know, yeah. oh, oh, mom found out. You know what I mean. Uh, so I watched the last three episodes, and it, it stayed pretty good. Although I have to admit, I was kind of uh, in baby tears in the last episode a few times. Yeah, it was too touching. They they got me. They got me a couple <laughs> times. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> over what? 
Oh, just like little things. When she gives uh, Pat the the present that she had bought for her quote fingers dad whenever she was a little kid. Yeah, and it's a and it's a world world's greatest dad mug. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Stop making me feel things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm enjoying that show. Uh, it's got a lot of teen angsty stuff, so I mean, that could be a little much sometimes. But I feel like uh, the superhero stuff I'm enjoying well enough to overcome that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that we haven't got back to the genie in the pen yet. I I was kind of figuring that would come back because they introduced that so early in the series and then never address it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't know. The Green Lantern, Lantern too, as well. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm a a few more episodes into Doom Patrol as well. Yeah, uh, Doom Patrol. I haven't, I haven't finished season two yet, but I'm getting there. They're dealing with. So I have. If I ever told you guys that I have a problem with little girls who talk too mature for their age, that I find it disturbing. Yes. Yes. So season two is all that. Yeah. And oh, man. Plus a girl with like a weird monkey face. See, the monkey face isn't my problem. No, it's just her being a little girl and talking prim and proper all of the time. I'm like, stop fucking doing that. (laughs) You talk like a child, you little son of a bitch. Uh, Yeah. Although once again, lots of references. I don't we'll see what happens because they showed uh, Candlemaker really, really fucking early in the season. I was like, oh, was not expecting Candlemaker to show up. That is another yeah. weird fucking character. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I just left the, the last the last episode I watched was the Red Jack episode. I don't remember what that is. Uh, Red Jack is the. I don't know, weirdly super powerful dude with all of the butterflies. Mm. Sounds familiar. He basically yeah. like feeds off of suffering, so it's almost like a cross of a Doom Patrol episode with almost like a Hellraiser esque. Oh yeah, okay. I remember, I remember what you're talking about now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was pretty awesome too. Yeah, there's. Um, did they do the? I don't remember since I watched them pretty close together. Do they do the uh, retirement home in the first season or the second that's, season? That's the first season where they go meet the original yeah. patrol. Yeah. God, that episode fucked me up. It's upsetting. Yeah. It's just like, this is so fucked up and weird. And then you're like, by the end, you're like, okay, well, I understand it. It's still fucked up and weird, but I get your point. And then, hold on, I'm pulling up my thing because I watched a couple movies. Although, for some reason, the app is not letting me. Why is that? Uh, I watched basically some of the animated DC stuff that I hadn't got to yet. Oh, yeah. So I watched Constantine City of Demons. Yeah. uh, Which was solid. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say this it's it's very almost light on the Constantine being the complete bastard that he is yeah 
And, until the very end where you're like, oh, nope, nope. He's been a bastard the whole time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, son of a bitch. He, he, he pulled one over on me. Yeah, I heard they're doing another Constantine series, but it won't be remotely connected to anything that's already airing. Like it's going to be its own thing. Which is sad, because I really liked the actor they had doing Constantine. Yeah, yeah, Matt Ryan's fantastic. I love him as Constantine. Yeah. I, Maybe they could do it better. I, th- I think he deserves... Constantine deserves another crack at a movie as well, I think. Yeah. No Keanu this time, now. Well, here's the thing. I don't even think Keanu was the biggest issue... That that it was just poorly written. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So so it was really good. That's pretty high recommend. I watched uh, Justice League Dark uh, Apocalypse War. Oh yeah. Did you watch the first uh, Justice League Dark movie? I I did, and at least they did a. So my biggest complaint about the first one was for some reason they jacked. Constantine's powers way up for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, which is completely unnecessary because he's he's a very powerful character in his own right. He just doesn't need to go toe-to-toe with superhumans, you know what I mean? That's not yeah. usually his his bag. Uh, in, in Apocalypse War, they, they definitely straighten that out. And of course, this is an alternate future thing where basically uh, Darkseid wins <laughs> which is wild it, it it starts with superman deciding to throw the full force of the justice league at dark side <laughs> and uh it doesn't work out because that, that's a dumb thing to do <laughs> uh but it's cool i liked i liked what they did with all the characters where you have like depowered superman and uh weird Lex Luthor, where he's like kind of a good guy, but he's still kind of a piece of shit. So I haven't watched this one yet. I watched the the first Justice League Dark. I don't remember enjoying it, but I don't remember why. Oh man, the the problem is I can't I can't talk about the awesome parts because they're spoilers. Yeah, but it's uh, it's pretty dope. Sweet, and and of course it because. Because once again, because Darkseid wins at the beginning, a whole bunch of bad things happen to a lot of characters. <laughs> and and so I, I I think everybody can guess how it actually ends. I mean, they resolve the story itself, but then there's kind of like a post story wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever watch the Flashpoint movie? Yes. I remember enjoying that one. And I thought the the tail end on that one where Flash I, Flash gives Batman the letter from his dad and stuff. I remember thinking that was pretty awesome. So far, the only DC animated thing that I can think of that I watched that I was truly disappointed with was uh, Batman Ninja, which was fucking stupid. Yeah, I watched that one. Yeah, it's dumb. You don't need to. For, unfortunately, I feel like the DC animated movie stuff started out like fantastic. And then they kind of started nosediving a little bit for me after a while. Really? See, I think they kept it up. It's it's still mm-hmm. solid. I think they made the same mistake that their comic books made that's driving into the dirt. And that's people like things other than Batman. 
Yeah. Like, enough fucking Batman. They need to chill the fuck out. There's like... <laughs> just just of the new movies, I think there's seven Batman movies. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, what, 15 total movies? So half of them are Batman. And the half that I'm saying aren't Batman have Batman in them. No. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last thing I watched is I watched the uh, DC showcase of uh, uh, Death in the Family. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, it's, well, obviously it's it's DC showcase, so it's an anthology. You know what I mean? It's like five different things. And it's all right. I I enjoyed it. I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed uh, the Superman Shazam showcase. Mm. Although I'm a little biased because that one had Spectre in it. And I'm a pretty big Spectre fan. Um, are they able to do the Choose Your Own Adventure stuff over streaming? I don't know. Does it no. have Choose Your Own Adventure stuff? Uh, the movie itself is Choose Your Own Adventure. Uh, but I think it might be disc only. Oh, really? For the DC showcase thing? For the death in the family. So you can alter, you know, if Robin dies, if he lives, and then play out, like, kind of what happens out out of that. And I think it takes you through, like, the Red Hood stuff. Uh, Yeah, it does. I I thought it feels weird and condensed, and the whole thing is almost like a noir story where Batman is telling... He's like narrating the story over the top of stuff happening, which is just really odd, especially when they made Under the Red Hood, the the movie. That's the exact same story. Mm -hmm. And and it's really, really good. So I just I don't know. I don't that that section felt pointless. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I want to I want to do the choose your own adventure version, which is why I haven't rented it or anything on streaming. So I'm kind of waiting for the Blu-ray to drop in price some because I think last I checked it was like twenty five dollars or something. But I, I haven't looked in a while. But um, I don't want to pay that much. But I would much rather pay the uh, you know about fifteen twenty maybe. For for just kind of an interesting experiment with a choose your own adventure story with that specific story, yeah. So, but it'd be fun. And then the the other shorts were um, Sergeant Rock, yeah, which that was really exciting. Although I don't know why I expected this, but I I was expecting old Sergeant Rock. You know what I mean? That it was going to be like yeah. a just a World War II soldier story. But instead, it's the Sergeant Rock where he's leading the. Uh, oh, what the fuck did they call him? Agents of Shade. Oh, OK. Is that what it, where it's like Sergeant Rock's yeah, yeah. the leader and then it's Frankenstein, a werewolf and a vampire, Yeah. <laughs> which which was dope. Don't don't get me wrong. It, that was really fun. Uh, Adam Strange. Although, mm. once again, the Adam Strange story is weird. They kind of do this whole thing where Adam Strange gets stranded on a different planet. Not not on uh, oh what's the name of it? Ran? Is that it? I can't remember I can't remember yeah. the weird planet that he's stuck on. But he basically he gets teleported from that planet to another planet and he's stuck there for years. Mm. It's really weird. 
it's not bad. Uh, and then Death, which is artsy fartsy but fun, and uh, Phantom Stranger. Nice. In which I, I I dug I dug the Phantom Stranger story, although they they did it right, which makes it wrong. If that makes sense, Phantom Stranger <laughs> stories. There's a reason why there isn't a Phantom Stranger movie because it wouldn't translate. It wouldn't make any fucking sense. You'd be like, okay, so there's this super powerful character who's the main character, yes, and he's not in it for ninety percent of it. Well, yeah, because he's he's not supposed to do anything, yeah. but then he shows up and does stuff. Well, yeah, he yeah he constantly does stuff. But you said he wasn't supposed to do anything. Yeah, that's the established rules. <laughs> but he always does stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to follow him like through the movie as like the character you're following. And right. you see him, you know, put his cape on and be like, all right, well, I gotta go talk to this person. So let me just uh cast this mysterious spell and I'll show up in a uh, you know, cloud of fog, and then uh, it's like, no, that's not yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'll show up in a cloud of fog, say something mysterious, and then disappear again, and then their yeah. story will keep going, and then I'll do it again, <laughs> and then their story will keep going, and then it will turn out that there's a big, powerful, evil bad guy, and I will show up to save them. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and I mean, that's exactly what they do, and it's it's delightful, it's just doesn't i don't know it doesn't translate well i always thought the dc movies should have phantom stranger in them but it should be like um like he's almost an easter egg thing mm-hmm. like you see a truck drive by and if you like freeze it there's two frames where you can see phantom stranger in the reflection of the car window and then he's gone you know yeah he shows up in uh, the swamp thing series I really need to finish that, but I cannot watch the CW-fied version. I need the, yeah. I need the unedited one. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't shown up on HBO Max yet. I, it's got to be some kind of a contract. Yeah, but I don't understand. I don't understand why Stargirl would be on there. Well, yeah, I don't, don't know. Don't try to understand distribution contracts. They don't make any sense. <laughs> no. Well, I almost think it's because the Stargirl one, from what I've seen, the episodes seem slightly longer but they don't seem any different so I'm assuming they just cut content for commercials somewhere Yeah, and so yeah. there's there's really no benefit in watching it on Max versus having watched it on CW but since the Swamp Thing they so heavily edited and changed it if you had both CW and Max you would never watch the CW version <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like they need to put that up there for people since uh, the DC Universe is going to be wrapping up if it hasn't already. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much been absorbed, right? Yeah, I just don't know if it's still a standalone service that you can watch stuff through. I know they're, they're pretty much not putting anything new on it, but I don't know what... Uh... Which I think I've decided is sad. Now I feel bad that I didn't buy a subscription to it. Because I didn't buy a subscription to it because I had no faith that they were going to put out quality content. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I started seeing trailers for things like Titans, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking they were going to do. But now that I've sat down and watched them all, I'm like, fuck, no, I like all this shit. Yeah. 
oh yeah the first first titans trailer and it's like fuck batman and i'm like okay well that's something i never need to watch because that's stupid and ridiculous but then you watch it and you're like oh shit no they actually they actually make him earn all this stuff god damn it yeah stop making good stuff yeah i would i would argue that out of all of the dc stuff that i've digested so far on there the first season of titans is definitely the weakest thing of all of it oh for sure and and, it, so, and it's and, not even bad yeah still being the worst of something doesn't mean it's it's bad it's just you're up against yeah two seasons of doom patrol which is still i think the best thing they got going right right doom patrol which is i i still don't know i, I don't know how to recommend it to people <laughs> yeah because all the th- all the things that I love about it come from the fact that I'm like I can't believe they used this character like and and that happens in every episode I'm like really <laughs> I mean they brought in Willoughby I was like fucking Willoughby really like <laughs> the the other Constantine like <laughs> the the quite possibly shittier Constantine <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's fun and delightful. Yeah, we were talking to somebody because, like I said, Amanda loves Doom Patrol, uh, which I don't think she thought she was going to when she initially started watching it. But uh, she she was talking to somebody. She's like, oh, no, you need to watch it. And then she was like trying to explain why. And then it's kind of like, well, I mean, I don't know. This stuff doesn't make sense. But if you watch it, it'll totally make sense and you'll love it. Right. Well, I love the fact that it it seems to deal with in and this is a dumb thing to say because it won't sound right, but it it deals with the realism of how this stuff would actually affect people. Yeah. Which which is I mean that that's wrong in some ways because obviously that's they're going for goofy surrealism but i don't know something about the how mentally ill all the superheroes are (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's tons of good stuff like the the robot man stuff where he's lived this weird you know lived a life uh to excess essentially and didn't really care about anything didn't feel anything that gets his brain put in a robotic body where he now literally can't feel anything and he realizes, like, oh, shit, when you really can't feel anything, like, life becomes horrible. And just him dealing with that stuff. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem like that would be. No, it's actually very, very interesting to watch somebody come to terms with that kind of stuff and trying to figure out, well, fuck, now that my life is essentially ruined, how do I go back and try to fix my life? Even though, you know, it's pretty much over. So, yeah, yeah his his. His breakdowns are fucking epic. Yeah. I feel like they should give, he should win some kind of tandem daytime Emmy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Brendan Fraser and the guy in the suit. Yeah. Because I, it's, it's amazing how they've worked together to create this character who can't emote through facial expressions and, mm-hmm doesn't have full even full range of motion or anything and yet he's the most emotive character somehow yeah it is weird how like 
his facial features can't literally can't move. But if he is like confused, you can easily tell that he's confused. Yeah, yeah. If he's sad, you can easily tell he's sad. And they don't change anything with his facial features. And it's amazing. And if he's been infected by a vengeful Batman rat, (laughs) (laughs) you can tell that as well. All right. But that's everything. That's everything. It was a lot of stuff this week. What did you watch, Doug? A lot less than that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mine's probably going to be even less than yours. So. I checked out the movie I Care A Lot that many people are talking about. Mm-hmm. You guys heard of this one? Heard of it, have not seen it. Yeah, I have so no idea. Rosamund Pike plays a uh, a woman who basically she, she runs like an elder care company where she takes uh, basically takes over people who have no one to care for them and has them put in homes and manages their money for them and all that. We learned very early on in the movie that Actually, what she does is run a scam where she's kidnapping old people and locking them in old folks' homes and stealing all their money. And many of the people that she's doing, like, there's nothing wrong with them. She's basically getting doctors to lie and say these people are, you know, have dementia when they don't and stuff so that she can rob them blind. So pretty much the worst person imaginable. Uh, The movie basically is about what happens when she accidentally, she basically kidnaps this woman, has her put in a home, starts... Doing, going through the process of liquidating her assets and paying herself huge fees and et cetera and et cetera and uh, turns out the woman isn't who they think it is uh, it's actually I guess it's a minor spoiler but it turns out this woman was living under an assumed identity because she's the mother of a mob boss and so it becomes this kind of cat and mouse game where this like criminal elder abuser is going up against a mob boss played by Peter Dinklage. So it was a weird fucking movie because they kind of turn Roseman Pike's character into the protagonist of the movie. But she's in the business of kidnapping and robbing from the elderly. So I don't know why you would make her into a protagonist. It's weird mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, I found it very strange to watch. And then my other issue with the movie is that, like, so at the beginning, it's just them going back and forth. It's a lot of, you know, maneuvering and talking and stuff. And at that point, I'm, like, completely up with the idea that this lawyer person would be able to go up against this mob boss person. But there comes a point where it becomes, like, a violent fight. And at that point, when she is still putting up a battle against this like mafia, Russian mafia, I think they're supposed to be. It's like, I don't buy it. And it's a real problem for me. And it it takes some real logic leaps. Like when they try to kill her, they end up doing these weird, like James Bond villain type setups that, you know, they just basically, Oh, I'm sure this will work and she'll be dead. So we'll just leave now and let this run its course. Of course, then it doesn't. Right. And you're just like, I don't, I have an issue with that. There's at one point it happens where they're trying to kill her and like her girlfriend and they end up leaving them both to die. And she ends up surviving and then going and saving the girlfriend. And I'm like, come on. Like, it's just, come on. That was my reaction to it. (laughs) Come uh, on. Come on. Really? So, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not really a, a big recommend. I, the acting in it is absolutely amazing. Like, Rosen Pike is very, very good. Peter Dinklage is... Peter Dinklage is great at everything he does. Um, Macon Blair even has, like, a small role, and he's really good in it. He's the guy from, like, Blue Ruin. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. me talking about that movie a bunch of times. Plays um, the uh, Phantom Stranger on the Swamp Thing show, so it comes back around. Does he? All right. Mm-hmm. I assume that's one of the things you guys talked about when I was not listening because you were off on your CW rent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's really good. I really liked the the mother character. I don't know the actress's name off the top of my head, but she's like the mom from Lost Boys and Edward Scissorhands. And now she's like uh, an old lady. Diane Weist. Sure. Uh, I'm not going to remember that next time I talk about her, so there's no point in me checking if that's correct. Yeah. All um, I hear is Patrick but, going, oh, I thought you said Weast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's, I really liked her character, but the problem is that the movie just doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's another thing that bugged the shit out of me watching this movie. Now I'm just complaining about the movie. But uh, the Rosamund Pike character, they keep giving her these, like, little like feminist monologues and I don't know what they're doing there I'm like if you're trying to make pro-feminist points maybe don't have an elder abuser making those points in your movie that's not going to help but then I'm like wait is that are they doing the opposite are they trying to be anti-feminism that doesn't seem right and I couldn't figure out why they were doing it I was just like I don't understand what's happening right now (laughs) I like to Without the without the really really good performances, I might have turned this off because it was so ridiculous. But weird to see that many good performances in a not very good movie. Mm. So I don't. Know, I think I don't recommend it. I think that's where I came down there, but I'm not okay. really sure. <laughs> if you could somehow watch all the acting without sitting through the movie, I recommend that. But I don't know how you're gonna do that. Mm. Interesting. I was thinking about checking it out. Now I'm questioning myself. Yeah, it's just, and maybe you won't feel the same way. Maybe like the. Like I was when it started, I was interested in it plot-wise and stuff, and so I was very, I was expecting more of like a, a darker thriller, and when the stuff started happening with like with like the the quote unquote Bond villain type attempts at murder, I was like, I don't know, and it didn't really even make sense because they had already killed off like another character, and they just shot that one. It wasn't that big a deal to them, so I don't know why they went through all this elaborate stuff with these two. Mm. And there, there, there were some other issues with it, too. Like, at one point... Because, you know, like, Dinklage just wants to get his mother out of this, like, old folks' home where she's being held in. And he, like, sends guys with guns in there to break him out. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, we've already had, like, court hearings where people are trying to figure out how to get this woman out. And now people are storming in with guns and trying to break her out. But nobody launches an investigation as to what's going on and why she's being held there against her will. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So, definitely some interesting commentary about the for-profit care system and the yeah. fact that and the, there's like there's some interesting scenes where people go before a judge and try to like get these old people out of this woman's custody and it's it I think it draws some interesting attention back to the fact that it's like they keep going back to the same judge and he keeps ruling in her favor every time. And it's like, clearly she has a working relationship with this judge and just, he just rubber stamps her doing this. And it's like, 
that's a problem in the legal system and it's interesting to draw attention to it but i don't know yeah. so i don't know if, if you do decide <laughs> to check it out be curious to see what you think but i'm not recommending that you check it out i, just, <laughs> I love this whole review it comes down to yeah i don't know it's yeah it's tough because i don't know it's, i still don't i still don't know that's my response yeah. it's, uh, Mm, nice um the other thing i checked out because i found that the um the whole mass shooting thing like that wasn't really that depressing to watch i wonder if i can find something a little more depressing so i checked (laughs) after uh after charles whitman did his shooting he was he held the record for shooting the most people until 1984 and I decided to go ahead and check out a documentary about that 1984 shooting at a McDonald's in California, where I think it was 41 people were shot. Um, so the movie's called 77 Minutes because that's how long this maniac was inside a McDonald's shooting people. Which is at least our mass time. murderers are getting that time frame down. I mean, <laughs> now they're. Now they're killing a hundred people in just five minutes. Well, technology <laughs> being what it is, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I the story of this guy shooting people into McDonald's is that a guy walked into a McDonald's and started shooting people. That's pretty much the whole story. Like it's weird. He went to a different McDonald's that day where he didn't shoot anybody. He just had like lunch with breakfast or lunch with his family, and then he went and shot people at a different McDonald's. So, um. The documentary is super fucking depressing. Like, it sounds like, like it should be. But like, what did what did you say? Like, if you're in the mood to kill yourself, don't watch this one. So <laughs> yeah. you said that last week. It's like, <laughs> yeah, um, very very heavy concentration on the victims in this documentary, as opposed to the shooter, and you know, interviewing survivors and like, because it happened in '84, so there's like, and at a McDonald's, so there's like one guy there who was like 11 and he just rode his bike to McDonald's with his buddies and both of his buddies are dead and now they're interviewing that guy about well, what, that day and they're getting into like really specific details with him and stuff and it's like it's hard to watch you know and they're interviewing like employees one of the one of the fucking guys I fucking loved this guy he was a an employee at the McDonald's walked in this guy walks in and shoots everything. He like fucking lives through it, and they're interviewing him. And he's a cop now. At the time they're making the documentary, <laughs> so he's in his police uniform answering these questions about what went on that day. And I'm like, fuck! Like after this, you decided you wanted to be in a situation where you might be in more shootouts. Good for you, buddy. That's that's one of the good <laughs> ones, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, from that perspective, like like say, difficult to watch, but good. Um, they make a point of not even using the shooter's name. They don't want to glorify him at all. There's only a brief section where they even talk about like who he was and stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, like say the the problem I had with the documentary is that the filmmaker clearly blames the police for a lot of the deaths because the fact that this guy was allowed to be in there for 77 minutes and he he actually like interviewing cops that were on scene that day accuses them of not having the guts to do anything about it and starts getting in their face about that and a lot of them are saying like 
what would you have had us do? He's like, there's a guy, there were, first of all, there was, they had three guns. So initially they thought there was three shooters. And they're like, when there's three shooters, you can't just like pick off one of them when you see him through a window, because that's going to set the other two off and they're going to kill everybody who's still alive in the store. He's like, you know, plus the guy shooting back at us. We don't know what's going on. It's a hectic, crazy situation. You can't use tear gas because there's a ton of innocent people in there. So like a lot of the cops make the same point of like, what what else could we have done differently other than eventually they did the sniper on the roof that you suggested for the other movie. (laughs) It's like they literally had a sniper on the roof and when he got a shot, he took it. And this filmmaker keeps kind of going at them over it. And, you know, at one point he starts narrowing in on the fact that the sniper had the difference between whether he had the green light to shoot or not. And several of the cops say, like, the difference between having a green light and not having a green light is with the green light, you can just shoot him as soon as you see him. Without it, he has to be doing something threatening. But he's already walking around in there with three guns, so he's pretty much constantly threatening. So you've pretty much no difference about whether you're allowed to shoot him or not. And it doesn't change anything. And it's like, and so this guy keeps going at the cops on that. And I would, I, I'm not a guy that defends police. It's, I don't, I don't have, I'm not one of these people who's like got the utmost respect for police officers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular case, I'm like, uh, there was no expert in this documentary that, like, no police officer from another division or security expert or anybody else that would come in and say, like, this is what they did wrong and this is what they could have done better. It's like, there are definitely some people who said, yeah, after the fact, they made changes to policies and stuff because now that they've been through this, they know how to, they can, they learn from it. But it's the only people saying like, oh, the police screwed up that day and they, they should be held responsible are this filmmaker clearly has that opinion going in. And like some of the victims were upset and it's like, yeah, but I don't blame them for being upset at all. I'm not criticizing them. I just don't they're not experts in this. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't like if the police had just stormed into a running with this guy that had like an Uzi in a room full of people, how many would a whole bunch of more people got shot? I don't know. And so I I found that bothersome. I was just like, if you're going to do that in your documentary, go interview somebody else that actually has the knowledge to explain what went wrong. And the fact that he didn't do that makes me feel like he didn't couldn't find anybody. So, yeah. but yeah, uh, interesting. It, it's I mean, like I say, the story itself isn't that interesting. The documentary is it is hard to watch to to, to yeah. listen to the victims talk and cry, and it's uh, you know just these people that went through one of the most horrific things ever, and they're just fucking. They're just uh, their their lives have clearly been affected for for the rest of their existence. And you know, the one lady had like they were interviewing her, and then he yeah at the end he's like he's like okay show them, and he they she pulls out like she's got a fake eye because she was shot in the eye, and I'm like fuck like it, I didn't notice until they drew attention to it. So and a few of them like showed their scars and stuff, and you're just like ah it's fucking terrible. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Worth a watch if you don't like being happy. Um, <laughs> although, also probably something that people—it's—it's it, it, the kind of story that should be told. 
because not enough attention goes to the victims of these crimes. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing I watched because I just because I feel like I need to get off that is I did check out the first two episodes of that Superman show, the new one. Oh yeah, I watched Um, the second one as well. Yeah. Um, I I I agree with a lot of what you said last week about how like. Mm. Look, hey, you can modernize the character without changing the character. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, this felt like Superman to me. I really, mm-hmm. like, to me, the whole thing of, like, I can fly to the other side of the world and prevent a nuclear meltdown, but am I turning my back on the small town that made me into the good man I am today? That feels like a real Superman drama. That feels like a Superman problem, you know? Yeah. I, I kept thinking about the scene in the uh, 78 movie where Pa Kent dies and he's like, I don't understand like, what's the point of being able to do all this stuff if I can't prevent a heart attack? Like, That's that's where the drama in Superman comes from, right? Like, it's yeah. ra- Rarely does him fighting the bad guy lead to a lot of good drama because he's fucking Superman. He can beat everybody. Um, yeah. So it's, I, mean, it, well. I mean, it's no uh, tornado. No, uh, but you know, heart yeah. attacks. Heart attacks still good, I guess. So, <laughs> I fucking hate that fucking Man of Steel movie. Yeah, me too. I like I've only seen it once. It was in theaters whenever it came out, and I just I fucking despised it. And the reason I despised it is because they turned they turned their back on the character, and mm. I don't. I'll never. I'll never understand why you'd make a Superman movie if you don't want your lead character to be Superman. Well, so, plus they. They filmed a very bright, shiny, pretty movie, and then Zack Snyder dipped a piece of clear plastic wrap in a bowl of shit <laughs> and then put that over the film so that you could well, see it. What's funny, though, is this new show is very much, it is kind of grim and dark and like that from an appearance perspective, but I can just kind of don't really care that much. I liked them adding the element of Lois's dad being the military guy and calling Superman in when he needs help. I think that's an interesting thing. It leads to some interesting drama as well with the family thing where he's like, he's taking advantage of the fact that his daughter's married to Superman, but he's not really happy about it because he wants her to have a normal life. Mm. And yeah, so he like, says, says a lot of that stuff, but makes no uh, qualms about uh, calling yeah. him as soon as something comes up. Yeah, which I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, if you have, the, if you have somebody attacking fucking uh, your nuclear reactors you call superman i don't care if you have a personal issue with him or not he can fix this problem and he can save the day so you do it but Mm -hmm. you know then he's still frustrated with the idea that he's doesn't want his grandkids being raised by superman because he wants them to have a dad who's home every night i i can't argue with that either so it's it's an interesting drama to set yeah um so what did you not like about it because i feel like that's coming (laughs) It's coming. Yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> I did there's nothing I hated yet. It's just it's by halfway through episode two, I'm like, all right, we're getting this is a TV show. This is why I don't watch network television, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you can see the little side dramas popping up. You've got the the kid trying to learn how to fit in at the new high school because they. A minor spoiler they moved to smallville from metropolis and you know what i mean and then they yeah. did like just the thing where lois quits the daily planet and goes to work for the smallville newspaper and i'm like no 
Like, <laughs> like it's interesting that they have her having her own little drama, trying to deal with like these side issues, and that's fine. Like that's good because you don't want her to be a nothing character. But yeah. there's a way to do it where like she could go, she could work for a, an online newspaper now or something. Well, I think with somebody how how much they build her up as like you know one of the best reporters in the world, which yeah. you know they've always done. Uh, in that reality, she quits the Daily Planet and starts up her own brand. Sure, she's not yeah. going to the Podunk newspaper to publish yeah. some article about the corporate guy who's coming in to take over the town or whatever. Like nobody's going to care about that shit. No, and you, like you could do. You could have the local newspaper, like, still have that girl there, and you could even have her, like, letting the local newspaper, that could be her way of giving back to Smallville. She could let the local newspaper print her articles or something. But you're right. Like, it would be, yeah, it would be her own news website or something. It wouldn't be, the very idea that she goes to work for a different newspaper is inherently hilarious, because... Who would go work for a small town newspaper? All small town newspapers are is one guy in an office fucking collecting news stories from the AP and stapling them all together. So, yeah, it's but you know like it's it's TV, right? And that's sure. If I decided to stick with it, which I haven't decided yet, I mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to get used to the fact that I'm watching network TV. You see, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little worried that some of the uh, angsty teen stuff is going to get really annoying. Um, yeah. But since I kind of know that going in, I kind of just... Opened, uh... Oh, we should, for Noah's sake, we should let you know they do have the will-they-won't-they they already started up with some of the teenagers. So. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I know how you love that stuff. <laughs> I'm good. We'll skip it. Do the teenagers have superpowers? Oh, uh, one does, one doesn't, and the one that does is uh, there's some. It's not clear how much he'll have superpowers. Is it, is one of them Jonathan the second? Yes. Yes. Mm, I wonder if he'll get hyper time. I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, I did. Uh, yeah. You know what? Another thing I really liked about the show was uh, Jarrell when they go up to the mm-hmm. palace there and they using the they just casually refer to it as ai now which i think is funny that they just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. when we when superman was invented we didn't have words for this stuff but now we do um <laughs> but yeah so it's when the ai of jor-el i, I really i liked that character i think that's the version yeah. of jor-el i prefer again like not to get back to man of steel but i don't want jor-el to be an action star i want him to be like a yeah, a wise older man kind of thing. Yeah, more more Brando, less Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it. Yeah, whether I end up watching the show forever or not, it, at least it's Superman, and it made me feel good to know that it is Superman. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's obvious they understand the character of Superman, which Zack Snyder does not. And I don't know how he got in control of the entire DC universe at one point. Well, and I do believe David Goyer wrote that one too, right? Probably. Because he's also a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, there's two different schools of thought, and I just 
it's one of those ones where I just can't comprehend the other school of thought. Like yeah. my logic is you make a Superman movie, you take the Superman character and you put him in a movie and you stay true to the character. And yeah, like I say, modernize it, work on it, but you build on what's there. Their idea is that you take the, the guy in a suit and you just make up your own story for him. And I've never understood why superhero movies would be like that. I don't understand why you wouldn't take these existing characters that the reason you're making a Superman thing is because people love Superman. So why would you change them? You, you don't want to, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I think sometimes that's that sentiment can be a little unfair because there have been like shitty assholey depressing versions of Superman in the comic books. They're just not the popular ones. Okay. But the, the core Superman mythos is comes from a foreign planet crashes on earth inherently has the power to be the most powerful being ever. But because he crashed in this farm with this sweet family and they raised him with good old fashioned values, that's how he becomes like a really genuinely good person. And that's what that core of it, you can you can build off of that. You can give him his emo phase. You can do different things. But that core of it is who he is as a character. And Zack Snyder took that away. Is it? Is it is it funny that now I feel like that character doesn't make sense anymore? Well, it, no, it's it's a dream character to start with. Well, just because if uh, Superman yeah. crashed in in like rural fucking Kansas now, he would grow up to be like libertarian Superman, <laughs> and right and he would be like the S stands for save yourself. <laughs> Well, they 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 go out of their way to point out that the Kents were definitely not like that. Yeah, yeah, they go out of their. There is the whole mythos that like small towns are full of just these good, salt of the earth people who are hardworking and they all have good moral values, and that's not true, right? Like I'm sure there's good people in small towns, there's just shitty people in small towns, but there's a reason why meth takes over small towns because a bunch of people are fucking bored with nothing to do, and that's what they end up doing. Um, you know, was, you ever, I don't know if you guys grew up in smaller towns, but there's always oh, yeah. a lot more, you know, the story was always the kids go out to the farm field and get shit faced when they're 12 years old because they're bored and they don't know what else to do. There's not a mall near them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but in, in a dream world where you're making up superhero characters, you can make that small town be what you want it to be in your head. So, and they do, they do point out on the show that it is modern to a point i mean obviously they're not going to go deep one way or the other i think because that's not good for advertisers and whatever else but they do bring up that this corporate guy is coming in and trying to open up like what the fuck are they even opening is it like coal mines or something like they're trying to reinvigorate they're trying to repurpose coal mines for green energy or something weird like that. Something. Yeah. Something. But like Lois has been sort of writing stuff about how horrible this guy is for, for years now. And she knows that like his track record is he comes in, promises all this stuff, doesn't deliver. And then sort of skips town, like, you know, leaving the entire town, like, poor and worse off yeah. than what it was when he showed up 
but there are people in this town who are very much blue collar workers who very much come off as leaning more towards the right side that, you know, tell her like you big city people come in and you act like, you know, everything. And, you know, some people need work. This guy is going to bring 600 jobs to this, to this small town. And like, people need it. People are going broke. People are, you know, having to sell their land off because they don't have money. And they're trying to bring up the point that, yeah, this is, people can see it this way and maybe they lean to a different political side or whatever, but sometimes they get blinded by stuff that gets promised to them, but, and then don't listen to people that, you know, actually kind of know better and, uh, think of them as the liberal elite stuff that, you know, we always hear people spew on about and stuff and they try to bring that point up in the show well they're they're right so. about that i'm elite as fuck <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I actually thought it was handled pretty well in the show like yeah there's because it's lana lang's husband that is the, he him and lois kind of don't see eye to eye and mm-hmm. a lot of it is uh a lot of it it, it gets into this issue of like because every time she says like well like at the last place, the last town that he promised to bring all these jobs to, like the jobs were like, it, it was like less than half. And he's like, okay, so it'd be 300 people go back to work instead of 600. And she's like, yeah, but he doesn't pay a living wage. And it's like, well, some money's better than no money. And I think they do a good job of expl- like, yeah, if you're in a small town and you have nothing and some guy comes in and offers you a minimum wage job, you'll take it because it's something's better than nothing. Um, doesn't mean what that person is doing is right it doesn't mean that like you know it's so it, it is they bring they have an oddly intelligent discussion about it and they express both points of view and i don't think the show is necessarily at least so far it's not really lecturing one way or the other yeah um, my, and my point was i'm bringing up that they are showing that people in a small town do have differing political ideas and yeah. that that the Kents were actually good people, and that's what made him grow up to be a good person. Yeah. Now, you know, like you said, he could have easily fallen at uh, at whatever this dude's family's farm, and maybe he would have grown up thinking more like him. But yeah, he just happened to fall on the Kent farm, I, which is good. I still now now that that's in my head, I really need like somebody like Alan Moore to write the story of Libertarian Superman because it's been really <laughs> funny. They'd be like, "Oh, the the nuclear reactor is melting down. Quick, Libertarian Superman, we need your help." And he'd be like, "All right, well, uh, how much are you going to pay me to do that? Because uh, that's putting myself at risk." Yeah, I don't do that but, shit for but, free. But you're but you're invincible. You're Superman. Hey, the, yeah, the, the free market. The free market will win out. Who needs saving? Who yeah, doesn't? yeah. Free market. I'm, oh, look, Japan's calling me. They're also having a nuclear meltdown. So now you guys are going to have to bid. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of want to see that now. Just maybe they could just not call it Superman. So I don't have to feel like they're turning their back on the character. There is a uh, there is a Twitter <laughs> Super- pro. Superman, the power grid's collapsing. We need help. Well, yeah, but you see, I just have a hamster wheel out in my shed that I can just manually spin and power my house. So yeah, yeah, you should get a hamster wheel too. Yeah. Uh, you guys pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. There, 
There is a Twitter profile called Jerk Superman, where he just comments like on stuff that Superman would have to deal with, but acts like a complete jerk about it. It's kind of funny. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've at least enjoyed it to the extent you have. So hopefully, yeah, I, it holds your interest. Yeah, we'll see if it does or not. I don't, like I say, like the teen angsty stuff. Yeah, I don't know how much right? the the will they won't they between the the one son and the girl. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. First of all, they will. I've fucking seen enough TV shows. Don't, <laughs> you don't need to do the will they won't they. Yeah, we already fucking know. But yeah. you know, secondly, we'll see how much of that I it, and we'll also see where they concentrate on it too because. There is also like the whole Superman storyline where it looks like there's like interdimensional stuff and yeah. you know yeah that's a fallout interesting that's a fallout from the Crisis crossover last year where oh is it okay they took all the multiverse Earths and combined them into one Earth much like they did in the comics back in the eighties um, and it turns out that's not exactly true but all the characters on this Earth think that's how it turned out um but in doing so they then destroyed all these others and uh noah i guess you know you'll know the the big the big twist is that uh, uh lex luther from a different earth where superman was like a uh dictator tyrant has uh crossed over from one of those alternate earths before it collapsed and is now on this earth and he's trying to destroy Superman. But okay. he's like a different version of Lex Luthor. Cause like John Cryer technically played the Lex Luthor in this on this show. Okay, I was getting ready to say it's not the John Cryer version of Superman. No. Lex Luthor though. No. They they were able to explain it to bring in another actor. He's actually <clears throat> uh black in this version. And they give him a whole different set of motivations. Like they show a they show a clip somehow already this show has already got to black suit superman before fucking justice league did uh they, they show a clip of him you know ruling over an alternate earth and people trying to rebel against him and he, this luther was in the army trying to fight against him and yeah losing so he's here, and he's like, well, I've seen what you could become, so I need to destroy you to prevent you from doing that on this Earth. I was going to say, I was gonna say that's kind of an interesting double fakey-fake-out thing, because in the comic books, the Lex Luthor from the, at least from the main dimension where Superman ended up being an evil fuck, mm. he's actually, like, the superhero. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's a way to have Lex Luthor on the show without, I guess, paying John Cryer to come and do it. He must be more money. Um, but yeah, it's well, interesting. It's, it's a different twist on it too. For you know, yeah. Every every Superman thing has had the same Lex Luthor in it for so long that they found a way to do it differently. I was at first, I was a little annoyed when they introduced the character and he's mm. flying around in his special suit. <laughs> And, you know, they do the clip. And then when I realized, okay, he's from a different dimension, that started to make more sense to me. I'm like, okay, that's all fine. Yeah. It's not the Lex Luthor that I know. So. so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The interesting thing is, since this takes place in the same, you know, universe where Supergirl takes place, uh, and they didn't know they were going to have a Superman show, they already adapted a lot of classic Superman stories on Supergirl. Okay. So I'm just wondering if we'll ever get, like... 
some of those classic stories adapted, but you know, if they've already done it on Supergirl, are they gonna want to do it again? So I don't know. Yeah, Gang, Gangbuster, is that where you're going with this? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> Gangbuster. Yeah. No, because uh, they did the one. What's the What's the Alan Moore one where he gets like the flower attached to his chest or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah. The the yeah. black orchid or whatever. Yeah, they did that on Supergirl already. They done Bizarro on Supergirl already. Did they do Mongol? They haven't done Mongol. Because I actually, I wrote an article for Comic Book Resources of what they should do from the comics on this show. Mongol is one of them. Um, yeah, yeah, Mongol. I mean, All, All Star Superman's a good story, but that kind of ends with. Yeah, that ends with ends no Superman. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I guess I should talk about that piece of feedback. So I wrote this. This is a personal piece of feedback, not specifically for the show. But so I wrote this article for comic book resource, but it ties into what we're talking about. I wrote this article for comic book resources, you know, what they 10 things they should bring over from the comics to be on Superman and Lois. And I point out stuff like Bizarro. Like, I think this would Bizarro would be interesting on this show. And I pointed out specifically that they'd already done it on Supergirl. But if they did it on this show and they had Bizarro versions of the entire Kent family, they could almost do like a twisted version of that movie Us, like on this show. Yeah. And I think that would be kind of interesting to at least to like, it'd be kind of fun to at least do. I'm not saying it would end up being great, but uh, whatever. And then I, there's another one I pointed out that they had kind of already attempted it on Supergirl, but they should do it on this show anyway. So then on my Instagram, I got a message from some guy I don't even know. <laughs> And the message said, you hate Supergirl. That is a fact. And I just responded with, I do. And then he never responded to anything else. You can't, you can't, you can't rely on people on the internet. <laughs> it was, it was so weird. That's, that, that's so weird. Cause as far as I know, we all love Supergirl. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't have my Instagram listed on my contact info on the, on that on the comic book resources website. So he literally went to Instagram and was like, I'm going to find this motherfucker. <laughs> send, me a, send me a message. Like you, you hate Supergirl. That is a fact. It, it, people on the internet are insane. I got a weird one. That's not at all connected to what we're talking about, but it was just, yeah. it blew my mind. So you guys, like I've told you guys that I do this thing where I try like different craft beers mm. and there's like a Facebook group where everyone, from Canada posts the different craft beers you're trying and the one day I like picked up a non-Canadian beer so I posted a picture of it to this group and I said something like you know uh, just posting this here so that the purists in the group will lose their minds or whatever right because I thought it was mildly entertaining and there was like a whole bunch of people commenting like either jokingly getting upset about it being there or laughing or whatever and then one guy went on a rant and he like started accusing me of being an anti-masker based on this like and i'm like i don't understand how you got there at all but the internet's a strange and weird place man so i don't that what is, do you do that is weird i'm like i people are fucked and now every one of them can just track you down and comment on your shit yeah. so Damn. I, w- I was gonna say the nice thing about the superman show is they can technically recycle villains 
from yeah. Supergirl only because oh, yeah. they can just justify it with the crisis and be like, no, this was the alternate version. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I personally, if they were going to do Bizarro, I would want full-on uh, square Bizarro world yeah. Bizarro. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. The the Brit- me the me hate me hate you <laughs> Bizarro. You know what I mean? Yeah, me, so me, me love you so much. Me kill you. Me bring it. That's I'm saying. Bring it. Bring in the entire family. Do an us weird us story. <laughs> it would be weird and fun. Atomic. Did they ever do Atomic Skull on Supergirl? Uh, not that I remember. I'm a big fan of Atomic Skull. I think he's underused. Yeah, I mean, they might have. There was like half a season where I didn't watch Supergirl because the story was really boring. So I just stopped watching and then came back to it the next season. Oh. No, yeah, my uh, my 10 is they should bring Crypto in, even though he's over on Titans. They should find a way to, to bring Crypto oh in. Oh, my God. The, the fact that they put Crypto in that show... And then yeah. used him makes me so fucking happy. Right? Because, like, Smallville, they brought in crypto for like an episode and then fridged it, mm-hmm. which just pisses me off. I'm, I'm like, if you guys don't get it, if you guys don't get why a super dog <laughs> is fucking awesome in, in its own weird, dumb way, then just don't fucking use that character. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh,. Yeah, my next one was Mongol. They should bring Mongol in. They should bring in War World to do that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bizarro. They should do the Bizarro, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could bring back Mr. Mixelpidilic. He was on Supergirl already, but uh, Tom Lennon played him the last time he was on, and I thought he was pretty fantastic as Mr. Mixelpidilic. All right. Um, you do hate Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could bring in uh, Ultraman, like we had talked about before, from that alternate uh, the Crime Syndicate of America Earth. Mm-hmm. Bring in him somehow. Like I even point out, like okay, they're not really jumping between Earths anymore. They kind of close that off for the for this Arrowverse specifically. But I mean, to still find a way to do it. It'd be fun. Um, you could do Eradicator, but as like the the. Uh, was he like a computer? He was like a program or a weapon of some sort from Krypton. Don't do the oh, the I'll tell you what, Superman version. I, I was getting ready to say that's that's something I would love to see in a live action movie. I would like to see Reign of Superman. Yeah, is is live action? Mm-hmm. Just because I mean I'm I I like two of those characters a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I really I I, lo- I like Superboy a lot and I like uh, Steel a lot. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Shaq's not playing anymore, so he can come play Steel. It'd be great, right? Didn't didn't uh, I see Shaq taking bumps at AEW this week? Oh, he wrestled yesterday. It was great. He went full on wrestles. Well, I mean, it's just this week. Like this is the big thing. He was coming to fight Cody. <clears throat> totally took a huge bump off the ring through two tables. It was pretty fantastic. Shaq seems like the type of person that he's like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really do it. So I want you to body slam me. I want to. Go through a table, like I want to do all that shit. Uh, let's, let's do some of that career-ending shit since I'm only going to do this <laughs> once. Uh, I said they should bring in Red Kryptonite because we need Evil Superman for a little bit. Um, 
the big thing they should bring in is Brainiac and do like a full on version of Brainiac because they've never really done like a good live action version of him. Yeah, uh, they they kind of missed the mark with uh, on Smallville with him. Yeah. Uh, they should bring in Lobo, of course. I mean, intergalactic bounty hunter. Like, what could be? Oh man, I don't more know. Bonus? Apparently, he was on that show Krypton. I didn't watch it though. He he is the man, but he's the main man. Uh, but... They should find a way to do uh, what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way, which is like what we've been talking about. Is a story that explains like why. Superman's virtues and morals and stuff is important in a modern setting. So. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess, do you have anything else to add since we've been talking about this show for like 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think we've said what needs to be said about the first two episodes oh. of the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're just so relieved to watch it. Oh, I know. It just when I watched it and it was Superman and I was just like oh it's actually Superman I was super mm. relieved so yeah and he's like good at being Clark too without being without being like the clumsy like oaf Clark yeah he's he's pretty good yeah so. like like Christopher Reeve I feel like is the only person who's able to pull that off the the clumsy version yeah. of Clark Kent anybody who tries to do clumsy that way is going to feel like they're doing an impression of Christopher Reeve. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else? Nope, that's it. Well, I only watched one thing this week and it wasn't a movie, so um, I caught up with uh, the HBO series Watchmen. Oh, yeah? Alright. Yeah. Um, let me start out by saying I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um... The uh, characters yeah, drop the hammer. The characters, <laughs> the characters are good. The uh, storylines are pretty good. Uh, I will say the thing that weirds me out is I don't understand why this had to be a Watchmen show. Like, there's nothing specific about it that's like, oh, well, they couldn't have told this story without it being in Watchmen. Well, I don't, I don't know. Have you got to the cult yet? I, I've finished it. I've watched the whole season. No. I was gonna say, well, the 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 Rorschachs is pretty exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're I mean, but it's they're taking up uh, somebody who you know wrote this journal and they're bastardizing it to to be this racist. Uh, uh, it's essentially like a, a a new version of the Klan. Is essentially what it becomes. So, I don't know. I feel like they could have on that but it's just yeah i mean it's a good story if they told the story without watchman characters you could still tell the story and i don't feel like it would change a whole lot but that being said still good sometimes those are the best uh comic booky things are when you don't need to like when you're just telling it its own story Mm -hmm. and just inserting the characters into it yeah is it wait isn't that what you said you didn't want people to do in the last (laughs) one No, but you, when you insert the when you insert the characters in, you keep them true to who they are. Yeah, he's saying keeps the characters can... true to themselves, but you can tell a story that's not about yeah. them okay. using those characters. That's that's acceptable. I was getting, I was getting ready to say. I think you're sending mess, mess, mixed messages. Yeah. There, Doug. Yeah. Sorry. Try 
Yeah, no. Tell you tell tell original stories using mm. the existing characters is what I'm saying. Yeah. Now the uh, the thing, and for those that don't haven't watched it, don't know. Like the uh, this is a direct sequel to the graphic novel. Okay. So it's not really tied into the Zack Snyder movie whatsoever. So um, giant giant squid. So the giant squid is in fact intact, which is okay. the interesting part because you actually get to see sort of the fallout of what happened and how it affected people and all kinds of stuff. So there is some of that stuff, but I mean, you could just put in another disaster and figure out a way to tell that story. But, yeah. um, but I feel like you could, cause Zack Snyder's, movie is pretty faithful to the story so you could watch the movie and then watch the series but you just have to understand that the ending is is tweaked yeah just watch the movie and then watch a youtube video explaining what's different between that and yeah yeah um so yeah no i enjoyed it i don't want to get too far into it because there is a bunch of surprises uh like i mentioned before i did watch the first episode like a while like when it aired and then Amanda fell asleep, and then we just never got back around to it to rewatch it. Somehow, completely missed that a very specific character in the first episode is played by Louis Gossett Jr., and he's on the rest of the series. And I was just like, how the fuck did I not realize that's who that was? And maybe it's just because since we've watched all this Louis Gossett Jr. stuff, I have a deeper appreciation for him. But uh, he's fantastic in this series, so. I was super happy to see him doing stuff. Damn. I haven't, I've, I've read a bunch about it, but I haven't sat down to watch it yet. Yeah. And my problem is the thing I find most interesting about the Watchmen comic book and or movie mm-hmm. is that it was a study about different moral views, like philosophical stances on right and wrong, essentially. Mm hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if they're able to, oh, carry that on correctly. You make this in uh, twenty what twenty eighteen twenty nineteen during the Trump presidency. Oh, you can sure talk about some of the differences. <laughs> There's lots of pointed stuff. You're like, yep, I can definitely. I'm, I'm definitely going to be able to remember when this was made. Well, so. yeah, but see, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more. I don't know. It's it's like a Phyllis, like Rorschach is a objective uh, absolutist. So there is sure. there is right and there is wrong and there is a a harsh line drawn between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you kill pedophiles and you kill people stealing an apple to eat. Like there's no difference between those two things. Mm hmm. And then, you know, you've got uh, the the weird morality of Dr. Manhattan, who I mean, what what does morality even mean if you're God? Yeah. Like, do the same rules apply to you at that point? <laughs> Seeing how you can't no. understand yeah. them anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm and I'm saying that all of those questions are still in this, but you said it during a Trump presidency. And see how people rationalize their moral understandings, and it becomes kind of terrifying. Hmm. Yep. So, 
I'll Worth watch, watch it eventually. I'll watch it eventually. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to keep this Kurt Russell train going. And it's time to jump to the 80s. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, used cars. And then we're going to be talking about Big Trouble in Little China. And you're going to have to figure out what the weird, tenuous connection is between these two movies. I think if, I think it's because Kurt Russell's in both of them. Well, there is that. But I'm saying there's a reason we picked these two Kurt Russell movies specifically to team them up together. We'll see if anybody... Uh, well, one of them is my most favoritist movie of all time. As it and, should be. And the other is Used Cars. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Used Cars. Maybe it'll be my most favorite yeah. movie of all it's time. It's good. Time we're discussing yeah. it. I've never actually watched it either, so it'll be really? the first time watching it. I like I like used cars. So it's gonna be fun. Uh all right, let's wrap it up with WandaVision. How do we feel about last week's episode? Spoiler warning. Uh I thought it was delightful. Yeah. Well it has yeah, to be fun. Are arguably maybe second to best. Sure. That's that's probably where I'd put it. Uh, basically we got the, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a tour de force through Wanda's life of trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. by Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Makes all the, uh, TV stuff make more sense for all these people that were complaining. They didn't understand what was going on. What a clever. So, so there's two, there's two things that in this episode that were so obnoxiously clever. They made me want to like throw something and break my TV and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It'll never get better than this. Yeah. Fuck that's a weird, it's a, no, it's a weird feeling that you're like, God damn it. You're so smart. Fuck you. You piece of shit. <laughs> uh, number one, the backdoor retcon to fix the fact that she's got magic, magic powers and not just random superpowers from a stone. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was clever. It was, it was clever to retcon it without changing anything. Yeah. 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 Bring out that she's always had powers, but there was circumstances that drew them out to the power level that they are now. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's also interesting because we've been talking about how do you bring mutants into the world? And it's like, Oh, there's one. Like it's so it's kind of like, okay, maybe this is going to be easier than we thought to introduce that if they're willing to just kind of retcon a little bit. Right. Yeah. And I feel like people are expecting this show to do a lot of heavy lifting to explain that. Like I keep seeing people posting like, how, how is WandaVision going to bring the mutants into the Marvel universe? And I'm like, maybe they won't like, I think you're expecting by the last episode, you're like, Oh, well the X-Men's completely established now. Everything's, set up we can just move forward with an x-men movie with no explanation and it's like you know relax uh-oh someone's not happy damn it yeah all right you guys continue i'll try to jump back in in a couple minutes we'll okay. we'll see if 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 anything maybe the doctor strange movie will have some way to deal with yeah. that but I, i'm not expecting this to do it uh, and, sure. and the other fucking clever thing was the second they started watching that episode of Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. I was like, God damn it. Because I <laughs> obviously, you know, we're all TV and film buffs and stuff, and we could tell they were aping certain shows and stuff. The yeah. first episode, I didn't 
quite recognize. I thought it was supposed to be Bewitched, but the second episode's obviously Bewitched. Yeah. Which which threw me off on the first episode. And then whenever they started watching the Dick Van Dyke show, I was like, well, God damn it. It is the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, totally. But then whenever they, yeah. But then whenever they started showing the exact scenes, I was like, Oh my God, they didn't just ape the Dick Van Dyke show. They aped a very specific episode. of The Dick Van Dyke show. For sure. Yeah. And I would have never made that connection without them like showing it to you like that. Mm hmm. So now I feel like, well, fuck, now I have to do this crazy deep dive of looking up these specific <laughs> episodes of these shows that they aped to watch them to see if maybe there's some uh, meta textual mm-hmm. shit going on that we weren't aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Finding finding specific story beats or whatever that they totally just gra- grabbed from this show and just put it into their own show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like the the episode uh, the, showing whenever they showed the kitchen and it's the exact same kitchen and then they're like in the bedroom and it's the exact same bedroom. I was like, God damn it. I would have never. And, and part of it's because I, I didn't watch the Dick Van Dyke show. That's not my yeah. cup of tea. So I wouldn't have recognized it. But once once you see it side by side, you're like, oh, my God, they like recreated it mm-hmm. to the on the nose. Like, yeah. Yep, they definitely specifically knew what they were doing when they went into this. It was definitely not uh, not a broad generalization. <laughs> I was going to say, they did hit the thing. Uh, I liked the beat, too. Of, so finally we get to the scene of her supposedly breaking in to steal Vision's body, and we find out, mm-hmm. obviously, the big oh, reveal yeah. that that was a complete lie. Yep. That's not what happened. Uh, and. Yeah. <laughs> And it just cements even further that Sword is the villain, which oh yeah, which that's and not, specifically going to resolve that. Like that's I don't know. They're going to have someone take it over. Hopefully, that's a much better person. Maybe Jimmy Woo take it over. I don't know. I don't know. But like the, the problem is, is in Spider Man, they pretty much established that Nick Fury's involved with what we thought was Sword. Maybe it's not. Yeah. But know. if Nick Fury's involved with them, they're and they're already immoral douchebags. You know that makes things complicated. Mm-hmm. That would prove that he hasn't learned a single lesson since the whole Hydra incident. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a point. I completely forgot what it was while we were talking. I did like in the in the scene where they show us Vision's body and they're disassembling him. Mm-hmm. There, there's that one specific moment where they kind of like disconnect. I think it's his like forearm and wrist or something like that, mm-hmm. and they kind of pull it, and it's purely mechanical, right? Yeah. But they did it in such a way that it felt gory. Oh, totally. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because they had oh, like totally. the, the tendril yeah. wires and stuff pulling out in that. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Moist. They made them <laughs> pull out in a moist way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was very uh, heartbreaking to watch that he's being disassembled. Very just like cringe inducing, like, oh, no, with all the wires like you're talking about. Um, and then I like that she, when she goes over to like, you know, touch him or whatever. She tells him, like, oh, I can't feel you at all. 
So, you know, the, the idea that he's not just a body, that there's more going on with mm-hmm. him. And then uh, the fact that she uh, later is revealed that she completely reconstructs him from nothing, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. Also leading into some interesting implications that he doesn't... I, I think the implication is supposed to be that he doesn't actually have a physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why he couldn't stay together when he got outside the... Uh, right. The barrier. Right. That essentially she recreated his mind... Instead of recreating him on on a whole, which I suppose is probably because she doesn't know how. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I don't know. So that was that was fucking cool as shit. I, I really. This has just got a whole bunch of great moments. <laughs> I was kind of sure. Char, has been watching this one with me because it's obviously more tolerable to her tastes. Yeah, but but I like had to pause it whenever they were doing the whole scene of the the Stark bomb and stuff, and I was like, could you imagine? Like, <laughs> I was like, Wanda has Wanda truly does in in at least this version. She's got one of the most fucked backstories. Yeah. Yep, and I like I like the the fucked up like. They're sitting there watching a TV show, and then all of a sudden, cut to everything's exploding. Right. Like, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just the, I don't know, the idea of being trapped next to a bomb for two days, not knowing if it was going to go off or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that is pure torture. <laughs> so, you don't think that sounds fun? Ugh. Well, not just not fun, like, traumatizing on this other other level that I don't understand how any person ever could come back from that. Yeah. It'd yeah. More... I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, okay, she stayed there for two days. Her and Pietro stayed there for two days. So what happened like when they had to go to the bathroom and stuff? So I'm assuming they just pissed and shit themselves. So yeah. like you're talking about how traumatic that is. Like you're you're so scared you don't want to move, so you just piss and shit on yourself. And that just makes that whole situation like way more just traumatizing to me. Yeah, that's unpleasant. I hadn't thought yeah. of that angle. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all, it's all, everything about, like, her background, you're like, ooh, Wanda, Wanda is fucked in the head. <laughs> well, it, it's weird because it makes everything that she does wrong like justifiable in a way not as like not justifiable but understandable and it's like interesting that they're able to do that because i mean she's creating universes and shit which generally frowned upon but it's like okay i I can see why she chose to do that now Mm. yeah uh any other favorite parts for you doug that you may have missed while we're while we're chatting about it well, I don't know what you guys said. Um, <laughs> you know, I, no, I liked all the flashback stuff. Um, thought that was like I thought it was interesting. I didn't expect that. I expected it to be more of an origin story for Agatha, and then mm-hmm. when the show just decided to be to walk us through Scarlet Witch's life, I thought that was an interesting approach. But I liked it. Um, as far as favorite parts, I mean, weirdly, well, I kind of liked watching Vision. 
attempt to understand humor. I thought, <laughs> like that's that scene where he walks into to or doesn't even walking kind of glides in through the wall into her yeah. room in Avengers headquarters and <laughs> that weird like it's it's really a compliment to the actor but he's like he clearly doesn't understand human emotions but he's also feeling them I thought it was really well done. I, I, sadly, I think that's why he was always my favorite in the Avengers comics. Like, I think I associated with the the inability to understand social cues and stuff. <laughs> Makes sense. Like, he is socially awkward in the way that a lot of nerdy people are. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just sort of deadpan explaining why that scene from Malcolm in the Middle was funny. It's like, it's, oh, it's funny because it, he's physically in pain. Yeah, he's, he's, he's <laughs> grievously injured. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about her, uh, sort of the, the, I mean, I don't think it's a huge surprise, but the revelation of why she's obsessed with sitcoms. And, uh, how Noah, Noah pointed out how they specifically cribbed a specific episode from the Dick Van Dyke show to to do the very first episode of the series yeah. and kind of show parts of it and show you like, oh, shit, this is like lifted directly from this episode. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it, it's weirdly, it's like a stereotype that people from Eastern Europe are all obsessed with old timey American mm-hmm. sitcoms. Yeah. So it's not really. Miami Vice, number one TV show. Yeah. <laughs> just do a Euro Trip reference? Yeah, I did. So I just get a Euro Trip reference? <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> All right. I guess that's where we're at. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was done know. pretty well. But I thought the uh, the whole thing with the dad, like selling bootleg DVDs and bringing them home for the family so they can learn English was uh, mm-hmm. a fun little angle. It created a real. really shortcut style just they're like oh look at how happy this family is the middle of all this war torn shit and they all know it's sitcom night and we're all going to sit around as a family and we each get to pick a show kind of thing I really felt they did a really quick shorthand version of just being like look at how loving this family was until they got fucked up by Tony Stark's bomb because if she does become a villain it'll be one more that's his fault (laughs) yep just like the rest. Uh, then we're also commenting on sort of the reveal that Wanda actually didn't steal Vision's body. How that was a big old lie. Yeah, um, that caught me off guard. They, The lie fooled me. But uh, I kind of like it because I kind of like the setup of Vision versus Vision. Yeah. I've heard the, the theory online being that when she was like trying to feel him, in that scene where she's like reaching in that she's actually absorbing his essence and that's how she was able to recreate him and therefore it makes sense that she could put that back in his body now that they've rebuilt it and therefore we yeah. might get a happy ending maybe I, 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 it might have been that or it could also be the, the weird moment where she connected with the mind stone since the mind stone is where his soul came from if that makes sense yeah, it's yeah. yeah it's. Uh, I'm sure they'll explain enough of it in the next episode to make me happy. I don't yeah. think we're gonna have every, the thing about magic is like you can explain it for hours, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's magic, and that's why it worked out okay. And you're like, all right, 
it's yeah. fine. Like it's it's just magic. I think I always I always find it's funny the stuff that is is like as much of a comic book nerd as I can be sometimes that the things that catches me off guard, I immediately am angry at myself for not having have thought of that possibility. (laughs) So like when white vision popped up, I was like, why didn't I think of white vision the second he was killed? Like I should have the second he was murdered in infinity war. I should have been like, Oh, it's okay. White vision will show up here. (laughs) Three or four movies. There were people talking about the fact that he could become White Vision back then, but when they did this show and brought him back as not White Vision, it kind of get people just were like, "Yeah, okay." Then then they're not doing that, or at least not doing that yet. So the fact that they hit it this well is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, the only sad thing about it is it's a little bit of a waste because the story in the comic book of how he becomes White Vision is really good. Yeah. But I'm I'm really into it, so I, I don't know. No, no matter what your favorite comic book is, there's a risk that it's just not going to get the treatment you think it deserves because they're trying to do every comic ever made, and they're trying to limit it somehow to only four thousand movies or something. So, <laughs> right. Well, it's just it's good because in the, the the only difference in the comic book instead of the Mind Stone, he gets his his brain pattern from. Uh, Wonder Man, who at that time was dead mm. when when he was originally done. And then when he becomes White Vision years and years later, Wonder Man's been brought back from the dead through other dumb shenanigans. And when they go to rebuild Vision, Hank Pym asks Wonder Man to allow him to, you know, use his brain patterns again, since technically, <laughs> you know, technically it's his... Uh, mind that he's putting in there and and wonder man's like no (laughs) absolutely not that's me you're not putting me inside that fucking robot (laughs) like no and and so he brings him back without it and he it, it it's very poorly explained but basically because he doesn't have a soul he just turns white like that's not a thing that happened? He just, like, bleaches himself? <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, but he's robot, robot vision, so he talks like, uh, Red Tornado from, uh, DC. Mm. And he's also the, if you ever played the Avengers game that was on Super Nintendo, there was also an arcade game where you could play Hawkeye, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bunch of people. He's White Vision in that, and he talks in the robot voice because that was when that comic book was going on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah that that comic book series, by the way, for anybody listening, is in, it's called Vision Quest. Yeah, and apparently the uh, the prices on back issues have skyrocketed since this oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, uh, it's. I I will tell you this: it's good enough to read. I don't know if that story so fantastic that I would need to pay collector's prices to own it. So maybe just yeah. pick up a digital e-reader copy and yeah. go through it that way. Uh, I don't know anything else. Anybody wants to talk about? Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be really interesting. I'm just, I'm interested in seeing soul without a body vision fighting body without a soul. vision. Yeah. And I feel like there's the super predictable ending of them merging together 
to yeah. revivify which is, vision, which almost which assuredly means that's not what's going to happen. Which, when we were talking over chat, that's what I said. I think it's going to happen. So we'll see. I think it's, yeah. I think it's very plausible that that's what happens, but. I don't know. When was the last time Marvel did the absolutely most obvious thing? Because they're pretty, uh, they're pretty good at getting you to expect something and then turning the screw on you. When was uh, when was Captain Marvel out? I don't feel like they took a whole lot of chances in that show, in that movie. But eh. I mean, it it's had, fine. I'm just... It had it had issues. You know what the sad thing is? Is I don't I don't want to be a dick because you know Brie Larson's fine at what she does and all that kind of stuff. But I want to be like, oh, they have so fucking replaced you. <laughs> <laughs> they already they already brought in your replacement and she's so much better like you're so fucked she's so fucked <laughs> she's <laughs> her getting phased out is now just fucking a guarantee yeah yeah we'll see i mean they've already got captain marvel 2 planned up and this monica character is supposed to be in it so maybe that's where they'll uh kind of pass the torch and then never have to talk to Brie Larson again. Yeah, the funniest thing is to replace her too, they don't even have to kill the character off. They can just be like, oh no, she flew out into deep space to take care of some important shit. Yep. The brood, the brood landed on some planet. She's going to be fighting them for ages. Oh, the brood. They should totally do a brood infestation <laughs> through a couple movies. I guarantee you that at the end of every Captain Marvel thing, she's going to fly off into space. That's how it's going to work, just because they can do it. And regardless of whether they're trying to get rid of the actress or not, it's like, just from a simple negotiating standard, you just, you know, we made you fly away. So if we just don't make you fly back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody gives a shit, Brie Larson. (laughs) I was gonna say there's all sorts of there's all sorts of interesting things. We were talking about uh, the mutants earlier and how hard it's gonna be to integrate them because, like we've said before, they don't play nice. They don't play nice with uh, the rest of the Marvel universe. It doesn't hardly make sense. But even I was thinking, oh yeah, the Brood they could they could kind of like bring them in real quick and then introduce them into space stuff and that would give them some connections. And I was like. Oh, yeah, that's all completely fucking disconnected, too. They have their own space villains, the Shi'ar Empire instead of the Skrull and the Kree, and then they, the Brood. And it's yeah. all it's all also segregated. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll get Space Punisher. Ugh. I mean, it can't be any worse than Frankencastle, I guess. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I really liked uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah, I don't think I read that one. Yeah, basically Frank gets the Ghost Rider in him, and then he goes on adventures through space. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if uh, that would make a lot of sense for uh, the version of Punisher we have currently, if they uh, decide to keep him around. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did miss one more thing. Did you guys see the trailer from Modoc? Oh no, I forgot to watch it. Damn it. I don't think I've seen it posted anywhere. The most I, like, the usual sites I look at they haven't haven't had it. It threw me way off. It it was not what I was expecting it to be. 
Yeah. I was kind of expecting a tongue-in-cheek humorous animated show. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's like a very, very humorous uh, stop-motion animation show. Like Robot Chicken, kind of. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look it up and watch it. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty funny part where he's like, my name is Modoc. Do you know what that means? And the guy starts like saying and he's like, mechanical organism designed only for and like a plane flies by behind him. And he's like, damn it. He turns around, he zaps it with his little forehead beam. And and then the guy starts talking again and you see the parachuting guy like screaming. He's like, damn it. He turns around, he shoots his parachute. <laughs> so he falls. <laughs> nice. Is it still Pat Oswalt doing the voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pat Oswalt's doing the voice and he's the showrunner. Oh, okay. Nice. So I know Kevin Smith was supposed to do some stuff, but I couldn't remember if he was working on this show or not. I know he was supposed to do Howard the Duck, but I think that got canceled. I think that has been canceled, yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I did. I, I just, with James Gunn bringing him into that movie and everybody having that response, I think he deserves a fair shake at a second movie. Sure. And I want it to be like a noir, uh, dirty New York detective story <laughs> of of Howard the Duck solving a crime and being he, very pissed off while doing it. He was on a lot of episodes of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Pretty good. Seth Green doing the voice again, of course. Well, he's just such a he's a he really is a great character. I can't recommend the first run of Howard the Duck is is some next level comic book shit. People people need to get on that. Not the newer stuff. Like I'm sure it's fine or whatever, but the the very first run, Steve Gerber stuff. That's the stuff you should be reading. Yeah, just the I don't I don't know something about the taking a humorous character and then just turning them into kind of like a a bitter smarmy asshole mm. there's something great about that it just works and then make sure to read the crossover where he basically stole the character from marvel <laughs> yeah destroy destroyer duck's pretty good too yeah never read either one of them but i do find the story of him stealing howard the duck and making him live in the image universe is hilarious yeah, I mean, that, basically the big difference is Howard the Duck is kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, like one of those fish-out-of-water detective comics, kind of, is his whole jazz, and then Destroyer Duck. If I remember right, I think it's the same guy who originally did Howard, because whenever he left Marvel, Marvel wouldn't give him the rights back to Howard. So he got pissed off and was like, fine, I'll just make another duck. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And destroyer duck is more like that, but more pulpy. So he's more like Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you not know the story of him stealing Howard the duck from Marvel? Oh yeah. Where he got him to do the, uh, crossover spread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Doug, uh, have you ever heard this story? No, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so, the creator of Howard the Duck had a huge falling out with Marvel. Um, okay. So, he left, you know. And then he went to create uh, Destroyer Duck, which is basically his way of like, well, I still want to tell these duck stories. 
and he created this like a creator-owned comic book over at Image. Okay. After years went on, he convinced uh, I think a Tom Brevoort, who was one of the main editors of Marvel. He's like, wouldn't it be fun if we could do an unofficial crossover? And with, you know, Destroyer Duck and Howard the Duck. And Tom's like, well, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they want. He's like, no, no, no. It doesn't have to be complicated. We can just uh, tell a, a story that involves similar ideas. And then we just have like an art panel in your book and an art panel in my book where if you put them together... It looks like they're standing in the same frame. Sounds like, okay, I think we should be able to do something like that. It might be fun, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, which it, supposedly that was something that was common for these artists to do at the time because they were like friends working for different companies. Yeah. And so Tom Breeport okayed it, but he's like, whatever you do, don't fuck me because I'll get in trouble with Marvel. And he's like, oh, no, no, I would never, I would never, uh, I would never fuck you. We're good. So, you know, Marvel puts out their Howard the Duck story, and then the Destroyer Duck book comes out. And then if you read the Destroyer Duck one, so there's something about cloning a bunch of Howard the Ducks. I don't, I never read the actual story. But so there's all these clones of Marvel, of uh, Howard running around in the Howard book, and then all these clones of these ducks over in the Destroyer Duck one. And then if you if you put them together, you see the page, you're like, oh, okay, that's fun. And then you keep reading the Destroyer Duck one. At some point, one character goes, hey, I found the original one. And they grab Howard the Duck. And they run off with them. And they uh, come up with this idea that he's going to go into, like, witness protection. So they dye him, like, a different color. Yeah, they dye him green. <laughs> yeah. And then send him off to live, like, with, I don't know, his girlfriend or something in some, you know, city in the Image universe. And then basically said, yeah, so in reality, the Howard the Duck they have over at Marvel is, is a clone. So it's not the real Howard the Duck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Breedport, the editor, was so pissed off. He's like, you motherfucker. You fucked me. You totally fucked me, and you said you wouldn't do it. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really funny. <laughs> it's just one of those things that it's like, yeah. I mean, it's not important. He didn't really steal the character, but for fans that knew of all the problems he had with Marvel, it was a giant middle finger to Marvel, and he totally got away with it. Well, and there's the and there's the argument that since he's the original creator, it's it's canon. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was, I was, I always thought that was fucking hilarious. I'm just like, dude, way to fuck them over without really doing any damage to them. But the fans know what happened. Could you imagine if they tried to take him to court over it? Be yeah. like, he and his comics stole our fictional character, <laughs> and we demand that he write a retraction yeah. comic book placing. That character back into our comic book universe. <laughs> they have like the panels blown up on poster board with like those big sticks to point stuff out. But, like as you can see here, it would be so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, some of the pettiest shit ever. I love it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.